0: This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Whether you need a landing page, a beautiful gallery, a professional blog, or an online store, it's all included with your Squarespace website. I almost said the name wrong. Squarespace. But you knew what it was. You've already heard me. You've heard me do this. Anyways, start your free trial today at squarespace.com and enter the offer code KindaFunny to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace. Set your website apart. And also remember it's called Squarespace. Not Squaspace or Squashspace or whatever I was about to say. But if you want to use Squarespace, to start Squashface.com, I'll be your first sub. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Game Over, Greggy Show. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside the predi- uh, the Reverend Jared Petty. <laughs> hey, Jared, I how am. are you? The predict. The predi- I'm so used to reaching over and having Nick Scarpino here with his ice cream scoops and his heather gray shirts. You threw me for a loop here the in pro-
1: your blue polo. I am not a producer nor a seducer. I am I I'm barely, I'm really good, but I'm thrilled to be here. I have wanted to be on the show since you began this noble endeavor yeah. those was <laughs> many decades ago, and now at last, decades here ago. to join you. On Game, Reverend Jared Petty, very happy. IGN.com
0: zone. Uh, Yes, indeed. We have something Um, new to talk about, but we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, over here the Pride of Long Island, Colin Moriarty. It's good to be with you. It's good to be with you. This is like time warp, Colin. This is great. I
2: forgot to bring this up on GamesCast because we recorded that a second ago. But like you without the beard and the hair, I'm like, whoa. I saw a picture of you with Aaron, and that it confused me because I didn't read the caption because I don't like to read. Um, And I was just like, what the fuck? Like, what the hell is this? I thought it was an old picture.
3: Oh my God. But it's a new picture. I read. It's, a, it's a new old picture Did you weave a cocoon picture? And then come out like, I didn't I actually what? just went to a barber For the first time since 2008 Okay and
2: Did you have them do the yep. beard too Yeah Man I've never done it Never done it. I don't trust Supercuts to do that So i was, Oh like, no I do not oh, go to Supercuts I'd have to go
0: to
3: some fancy shit I went to, to a place to called Metropolitan Barbershop Which is like very highly recommended um, It was expensive But it was You know I'm not gonna do it all the time How much is expensive It was fifty dollars with tip. Okay, for for them to shave my head and shave my beard, Mm. which is a lot of money. Yeah, for 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 context, I was making the guy laugh. I'm like, you know, I bought a twenty dollar buzzer in early two thousand eight at Target, and I've been using it ever since. And I've shaved my own head every single time. And it doesn't. It's not like a miraculous haircut. But I'm like, I'm paying probably a a dime a haircut at this point. Yeah, at
1: this point, yeah, I can't get a clean, even shave when I do it myself. Actually, my hair looks awful right now. Anyway, so but but I I salute you going to a quality barber because I have been a a victim of beard like beard homicide It's oh happened. Gosh. i went to a barber once who made unsolicited changes in my beard pattern <laughs> oh my god uh, that's and scary. very severe and honestly it was he gave you those panini lines he, he tried to give me the the chin strap without asking mm. and he got well into it before it's like what are you doing and it was a sad moment and i had about six weeks where if you watch it on ig on every video i've got my hand like this because i mean you know this isn't exactly a striking profile look at the pillsbury doughboy anyway but but just having it up here looked so weird, but worse. I've had my beard since I was eighteen years old. I have never shaved it off. Wow! And I could feel parts of my face down there that I had not felt, and it was just not okay.
3: Ugh. Yeah, I, I, uh, I basically told him, he's like, "Well, what do you usually do?" I'm like, "I usually do like three eighths inch or and half, you know, a quarter of an inch." And I'm like, "Just you know," but I usually shave it. I used to shave it really short. And I'm like, "Just do whatever you want." And he asked me a few questions, and then I was like, "How about it? Go and, for uh, it?" And uh, you know, it all grows. It's, it's hair; it'll grow back. You know, but I like it. Um, I'm okay. not gonna I'm not thank you. I'm not gonna maintain it. This just gives me more time until I have to shave my head again. Sure. Mm. But uh mm. I wanted to try it once, uh, you know, treat myself to something nice, you know, treat yourself. Nice, you know, the nice little shave with the cream on the back of ah, the neck Ah, they the straight razor. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Was, that was very nice. It was yeah. like I was t- I was laughing I'm like it's so unusual to have anyone else Touch using it. a buzzer on my
0: hair. Like no. really you buzzed my neck, but no, don't insult me in my I mean, no. I know I'm you not an, an artist You
3: play a role.
1: Did they do the hot towel? Did they a uh, the hotel?
3: No, no, they didn't Oh, the hotel's so good. Yeah, but, you know, some nice aftershave shave on the neck and you know, like just a good buzzer, not a buzzer that's like pulling out half of your hair as you're like, you know, because it's getting stuck because yeah. you haven't oiled it in years. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I want to say shout out per- shout
2: out to the Greggs of the world though, because there is a very special something, mm-hmm. when you shave your own head of having that guy that finishes the job. Because you can't no one can see back there. No. There's not a mere contraption in the world that can perfectly I, Allow you to shave the back. Of your it's head. true that when I was younger, I used to actually like a I, used, nope. I used to
3: do it. I used to do it by myself, and I have done it by myself, and I think I've done okay. But you just never
0: really know. It's
2: never. It never looks like this. No.
0: Oh no no no. But it never Greg, looks like this when he does it. Craig
3: can do it.
0: I, I give him credit. Over there, the pure one, Tim Geddes. Let's Tim host. If you didn't know, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Game Over, Greggy Show. Each and every week, four, sometimes five, best friends gather on this table. Each bring a random topic discussion for your amusement. If you like that, head over to patreon.com slash funny, where you can get each and every episode early, along with a whole bunch of goodies and exclusives and early access and exclusive access and all sorts of pictures and things like that. Also, Amy Gills is over there. If you don't have any bucks to toss our way, though, on patreon.com slash funny, head over to youtube.com slash kind of funny where we post the show topic by topic day by day the following week before the entire thing is up for free as one big video in mp3 the following friday
3: i'm gonna hijack this real quick before we go any any further uh just wanted to say that a woman named Lindsay mckean reached out to me um and uh asked us to wish uh her uh, boyfriend adam dubuisson made that up. adam dubuisson, uh,
0: dubuisson. his birthday's on august uh, 13th he'll
3: be 25 years old he's apparently a big fan um, And it's his birthday, so I wanted to wish him a happy birthday. Happy That's birthday, really-
1: Adam Dubuisson. Dubuisson, Dubuisson. How happy I love Dubuisson. Birth- <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice. uh, we can make this work, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Les enfants
0: terribles.
1: That's uh, something.
0: Jared. Yeah. Your topic is starting us off. Well,
1: Greg, I am here to shill. Yes. Yes, I am here to unapologetically shill. My topic is my new show. What's your new show? My new show is called Pockets Full of Soup. And, sounds uh, gross. Yeah, it, well, it, it sounds gross, but it tastes delicious. Ah! Uh, yep. There's a story behind Pockets Full of Soup and where that name came from. I think I'll tell it on the show. If you want to know, you should watch oh, Wow, listen. look at that. What a tease. He's a pro. Damn. Right. Damn. Yeah, find out where that... Uh, where so that what comes is from. Pockets Full of Soup? Well, Pockets Full of Soup is a storytelling show. Um, it's an interview show at heart, but not the kind of interviews maybe you're, you're used to seeing. Because I'm not really asking my guests about themselves so much as I'm asking about the people who have made them who they are. For example, Mm. Greg Miller. Yeah. You're going to appear on this show. Right, right after this. You're a guest. Yeah, we're going to get together. We're going to film that. You're going to sit down, and I'm going to say, Greg, Tell me about somebody you're thankful for. Oh, okay. You're going to pick somebody, not the person you're most thankful for necessarily, but somebody who has influenced you because each of us in our lives are all formed, not just by our own decisions, but by the people around us. I know this really well. The people at this table have changed my life in many wonderful, positive ways. In many horrible ways. (laughs) Wonderful ways. And and they're, they're just a few of the ones. Everybody has a story to tell about the human beings that have influenced them. I'm not going to try to make this saccharine or overly sweet. I think the idea here is that we're just going to talk about the real influences, whether they be sad or funny or touching or, or or wonderful or tragic. The ways people have influenced us, made us who we are, helped us. And shooting for something, you know, positive. So. And we're also launching the Patreon around this, this week, sure. or I am. Uh, the, so the show, again, Pockets Full of Soup. You're going to be able to find that at PocketsFullofSoup.com. And uh, the Patreon is Patreon slash Jared Petty. My name, J-A-R-E-D, P-E-T-T-Y. And I'm going to be reaching out this week and asking people to help support this. Uh, because in addition to being something that I really think could be useful, something a different kind of voice, something that doesn't really exist yet mm-hmm. uh, in, in this this conversational, social, friend space on the internet, I also, uh, frankly, could use the help with uh, with my income right now, and uh, it would be very kind if uh, people were able to assist in that. Uh, I think that i providing something that they're going to enjoy, and uh, I could use some help from that. So let's talk about it all over the... Fa-
0: you, you put out a lot of interesting tidbits there I want to talk about. A Too lot- many tidbits.
1: No, not at all. Not at all. Why is this the show you want to do right now? Okay, well, it's for several reasons. Um, first, I think I'm going to go back to uh, to Bob Ross on this, when the, the Bob Ross Twitch thing happened. Uh, so... You know, I, as some people here may know, but I, uh, I, like many people in the world, struggle with depression and anxiety. And Bob Ross's emergence or reemergence into the world on, on Twitch and, uh, and later on Netflix has had a positively therapeutic effect on me. Because this guy, for all the, the goofiness and the silliness of the, of the hair and the, the kind of weird brand that he built around that and sitting there painting on public television in front of a black background, strip the irony away from the resurgence and popularity. And what the guy was all about was trying to help you have a better day, not just when he was there with you, but when he walked away. He was Mm -hmm. there to say there's something in the world besides horror and frustration and difficulty. Yes, those things are real. He never denied them. But he said, you also have some measure of control over some parts of your life. Reach out, seize those, and be a better person. Nobody does that alone. And that's, I think, the seed that was planted that got me on this. And I thought, what's something that that I can do to try in a tiny way to reach people and help them to to hear again and again and again the testimonies that despite as bad as it all gets, things can get better? Every human being in this room, every human being I've ever met, no matter how rough things have turned out, people have stories that are meaningful about what people have done for them or to them or with them that have made things better. Yes, there are bad ones too. I, sure, I get that. Sure. I don't want to be in denial about the rotten way the world can be. I, I think I, I, I've had plenty of occasion to understand how crappy it gets, but in the middle of all that, I also keep running into wonderful things. So first part of that's a force for positivity. Um, what are you hurling, hurling objects at yeah. uh, Kevin? Uh, that was Force for positivity as we stone <laughs> Kevin. Um, <laughs> that's the beginning. I also wanted to do something that I could do on my own. So I I could, I could manage, you know, it's, this is me and a guest, I have been fortunate enough in, in my, in my time here in San Francisco to develop a a network of friends that are professional entertainers, people that, that, that are all about creating good stories. You guys hear it kind of funny every day. This is a site about community. This is a forget site. This is an initiative about community. Uh, my buddies over the comedy button. And again, and again, again, people finding ways to reach out. This is my own little way to make that happen. And also a, a, um, to be frank, um, Another reason I'm doing this at this time in this way and launching it with a Patreon uh, is because this is an expensive place to live and uh, things have been tight. Um, and this is a, a measure I believe I can take to help make that happen.
0: And now that's the other tidbit you, you keep talking about and branching about. I find what's, in, what's interesting about you doing this. And talking about positive, bringing positivity and bringing this positive person, and you know, shining a light on the good, the good in the world, right? Is that for me? When we worked together at IGN, you were always that guy. Every day, you were the nicest, happiest dude. Go out of your way to help everybody and all these different things.
1: It's very kind of you. I have plenty of bad days where I'm horrible and evil. No, I don't believe you've seen that ever. Yeah, so say that. I you're a liar. I've a terrible temper. I really do. No, I, well,
0: I believe it. I mean, I guess because you're saying it, and you've never lied before. <laughs> but I don't. know. I, it's, you strike me as one of those. I'm having a bad day, and you're like. To like piss Colin off, you like put his phone over there when he's not looking. You're like, I got him good. I'm so angry today. But the thing about it is, I want to know how do you maintain that? How do you, I mean, you maintain this positive persona, and you've had so many reasons to break. You have been, you know what I mean? Like you, I feel like it's that we. I'll, I'll never forget when the accident happened. I'm, I'm sure our audience knows all about it. I'll ask you. To, I mean, tell whatever you're comfortable with. But when that happened, I remember Brian Albert texting texting me when I was on. He knew I was on a plane ride. And when I landed, he called me as soon as I texted back because he knew I was off the plane. And it was one of those things of how can the how can the the worst thing happen to the best person we know?
1: Well, I bad things happen to people. I think regardless of, of where they are in life. I, I, I without exploring the the cosmological or theological implications of that, bad things happen, and they happen to everybody. Some worse things happen to some, and some to others. But when that car came up the wrong way up the bridge and hit Angie on the face and almost, I guess I should tell the story, shouldn't I? Sure. Yeah. For those that don't know and this audience, many people in this audience really helped us. Um, About a year and a half ago, my wife and I were struck by a drunk driver driving the wrong way up the Bay bridge or an impaired driver. Um, And uh, she, she came up uh, this, this one way bridge, the wrong way hit his head on in high speed. My wife was almost killed. My wife is still recovering. Some of her injuries she will never completely recover from. Um, She's doing far better than we ever thought she would. Uh, and in that dark time where we didn't know she was going to make it or not, uh, the first, uh, first uh, few days there, the people at this table and some other people, um, made it their purely benevolent, utterly generous and human mission in life to find ways to help us. Um, I went to sleep one night and woke up the next morning and somebody had created a, a, uh, a, fund to help us out with the considerable expenses related to this that raised a, a truly enormous amount of money for which I will never cease to be grateful. But that was only, it was really important. And it was you guys in your, in your roles through, through both what you were doing at IGN and what you were doing here at the, at the beginning of, of game over Greg and what became kind of funny and also some other kind people, just person after person that reached out again, the, the guys at comedy button and the, the folks at unlocked and on and on and the kind people at IGN, But in addition to the money, there were always other people lifting me up. I was never alone. Never. Even when I was alone in a room, I was never alone. There were constant messages and phone calls and texts and knocks at the door and people coming to my desk and people coming to the hospital and people coming to the room, the kind people over a good job brain just showed up to visit my wife because they knew it was her favorite podcast. They (laughs) visited her in the hospital. They just, just out of the kindness of their hearts. And this went on and on and frankly still goes on. People still help me. And Man, I hate being a tragedy. I hate it because there's an element of it where for a while you feel like a great burden upon people, even though you didn't cause the situation. But eventually in the course of this, I learned to accept something about life that I learned through this. We are lost without each other. We just are. Um, And I think that's the germ, the seed at the center of the show. It's all about how other people make us who we are for the better. That experience plays highly, deeply, intrinsically into that. Um, my I don't talk about it publicly very much, but the, my faith's tied up in that idea that that ultimately the love of people for other people is the most important thing in the world and the only thing that really changes things. I've witnessed that, and um, I'm going to try to find a way to share what I've learned through, this, through that. The focus isn't going to be on me. I'm, I'm talking to others, and the focus isn't even going to be on the person next to me so much as it is how other people made them the best of who they are and i think that's the
2: the coolest thing about this we were talking about this out there but y- you know everybody's favorite thing is themselves everybody loves to talk about themselves everybody loves making their lives better and like at the end of the day that you know you are you so you know you better than anyone else does however you are only the people that you surround yourself with. You are the relationships that you have. Your entire life's journey is to find love, to find companionship, to find friendships with people that make you better, that make you feel fulfilled and all this, all of these things. And I feel like the idea of the show is so brilliant because it allows you to really kind of stop and think about who are the people that are making you strive to be who you want to be and who you want them to have in their lives and whatever it is. And I think that it's, it really does go very deep into, into what I believe, like you were saying, life is about, which is relationships. And it is, um, working with other people and talking to other people and figuring out like just what we do in the show. Like we learn from each other and from the audience and from everything. But it's like, I think that it's, it's, a beautiful thing to to be positive. I always love being positive, but I think that to, to really kind of not just be blindly positive, but to focus on what is positive and what you truly think is important about somebody else. And talking about that allows you to, to speak about
1: stories in a way that you really can any other um, framing. Yeah, it's possible to be positive without being unrealistic. But I think to be positive in the face of the horrible realisms that also surround us requires other human help. It just does. And thank God I'm surrounded by kind people who do that. And so are a lot of others. It doesn't always work out that way for everybody. I I recognize that. But we should tell the stories. We we, we ought to represent the whole spectrum. You know, there's plenty of evidence out there. That the world is a crappy, terrible place full of horrible things. The, the last few weeks are, are a reminder to us on a global scale of how awful things are. But that's not the whole story. I just want to present another tiny piece of what's real there, which is that, yeah, that's all true. And so is this. Here's a few of the good ones that also exist there. And I hope I can do that with some sincerity. I had doubts about how this would work out, but I've got a couple of these in the can now. And I was surprised how well it came out. People are eager to talk about the people that have influenced them in the best ways and in the most positive ways. And there are stories that are funny and heart-wrenching and striking and inspirational, all tied up in these little two-person interviews. And I was like, okay, I think this is actually something worth doing, and I wouldn't do it if I didn't think it was. So mm-hmm. once I got those those test bed pilots in the can, I was like, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do this."
0: Well, at some point you have to drop this whole like oh, I'm just Jared Petty and admit that you're good at this.
1: Yeah, like, I'm you're okay. great at
0: podcasting. You're great at talking. The nope. games cast we just did was great. Fantastic. I can, I mean, you could talk to anybody. It's I like, I like I was, talking. It's like I was talking to somebody the other day when we were pitching something. I forget for what show or whoever sales thing we're talking to. Oh, it was panels. People were worried about panels. I was going to be on a comic con and they were worried about one of these developers clamping up. And I'm like, I could talk to a rock for an hour and probably make it all right. You don't have to worry about it. And you strike me as the exact same way. And that's why we always loved having you on beyond. But when we introduced you here and then when we originally introduced you like on beyond as a personality, at some point, we started calling you the Reverend. Yeah, because you had been a Reverend at one. Still point. am, technically. Technically, uh, yeah, yeah. Went.
1: Still got my credentials. I haven't taken them away yet. You uh. talked
0: about how um, you don't talk about your spirit spirituality often. Mm-hmm. Everything that happened to you in the last year and a half did it did it weaken it at all? Did it strengthen it? I mean, was there were there
1: moments? It changed it. Yeah, there were moments. There yeah. still are. Uh, I I absolutely. This is you know um, this is a process. Uh, Here is the thing about almost getting killed it does terrible things to your body and uh, if you get that close to dying and live through it you are never the person you were before Uh, um, that's what's happened to my wife and if you are near someone and you care about someone that that's happening to you will never become the person you were again you we can never go back to the way it was emotionally physically everything about my life, from my goals to my dreams, to our plans about our family, all of that changed and is still changing. And I still don't know what the landing point is. And we still get news and some of it's great. She's so much better in so many ways than we ever thought. And some of it's awful and terrible. And we still get awful news sometimes. And all of that shakes me to the core. And yes, I have laid in the night and cursed God and I have laid in the night and prayed and I have even, I believe occasionally gotten a very palpable um, response on occasion that just enough to keep me going. But that response, as I find, you know, I, I spent seven years in college studying, studying scripture and, and, it's five years in the pastoral vocation full time. And one of the things I learned as I interpret it, the story of faith, whether you believe that there's a God or you believe there's no possibility that there's a God in either case, the story of faith is people reaching out to one another and trying to help one another, not for the sake of their own self-interest, but simply because it makes the other person's life better and makes the world a better place. I mean, as I understand Christianity, the most important command Jesus said there ever was, was when he was asked, you know, what, what do you do? He said, well, love God and do that by loving others. I I don't care if you particularly about the prayer. I don't care particularly about the offerings and the sacrifices and the songs and the adornments. I care whether or not you help the person next to you, feed the hungry, take care of those who are in trouble, visit prisoners and don't judge, even if somebody hurts you. Try to help them anyway, and that's hard to do. I have failed so many times in that, but I have been the recipient of so much of it. And um, it's not about deserving; it's just about divesting.
3: Well, I think that you know <laughs> when you approached me about your idea, and 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 we were we went out. It's actually when we saw Independence Day. <laughs> And, and, uh, it <laughs> was a, that was a dark day. Yeah, <laughs> it was a dark. It was one of the darkest days in modern human history. The day we saw Independence Day, and we were at you and I, and, and Aaron and Kate and, and Angie went to a restaurant. You and I were, were, were chatting, and, and, um, I liked the idea that you had. But I also feel like, you know, in, my, you know, we could do, we could, I guess, help or elevate a lot of different people in our lives or a lot of just different people out there that we like. But you've always struck me as and i've known you for a while now as um someone who deserves it like deserves more deserves better deserves good things and i've always had an incredible amount of respect for the way you carried yourself not only after what happened to you and angie but actually before um because i remember when you first started working at ign um you and i had chatted a few times but i'm like always running around and being like kind of like curt or just like you know like all right that's cool like you know like and i remember approaching you a few weeks later and been like you know i'm sorry like there's something different about you isn't there like you know like you know, you're actually
0: douchebags like Vincent and janita you're, you're
3: just you're just you're just like you deserve the the person to stop and talk you deserve the time you have insight you're smart you're kind and friendly like well they're there yeah you're well spoken and articulate you're educated you're open-minded you're you're worldly. You've lived all over the country. You've lived in Japan. You've you, you've seen and done a lot of things with your life, and so I always had a great deal of respect after what happened with you and Angie because I'll never forget. And you and I have talked about this before. Where I remember that one of the first things I asked you after that was like, "Who did it? And are they f- like, like are they are they dead? No, they're not. I was like, too fucking bad, you know. I, I remember I remember saying that I'm like, fuck them, you know. And you were like, and I was like, that's too bad that they get to walk away when that piece of shit should be six feet under, you know. And I was full of this like vengeance and this like want of revenge and the man who it happened to and the man who watched his wife almost die and go through this catastrophe that only modern medical science helped and, and faith probably helped her get out of was the one like, no, like she's just a person and she's sick. I remember you saying to me, she's sick. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? You know, like, and it, and it showed me like, wow, I'm like totally bent in a certain way that I think a lot of people are about that. And you are, you had such grace about it and I'll never, ever, ever forget it. Like I'll just never, like as long as I i, I can go, we can go do our separate things. I never see you again one day. And I'll always remember that, like that lesson that taught me about who you are. And so it's because of that, that we want to go to the audience and ask them for their help to help help you elevate this new project. You deserve it. Mm-hmm. And you've 100%. been, it's the same thing when we were on Podcast beyond and we helped you Raise some of that money so you can pay your bills right in the months leading or the months subsequent to that terrible event. And we're going to do it again because you deserve it and you deserve good things. You're smarter and and kinder and friendlier and more real and more humble than almost anyone I've ever met. And the fact that you have all of those things inside you, like, you know, someone might have the, the humility, someone might have the kindness, someone you have all of it. And so I respect the shit out of you and I hope that this is, I, I know you have very modest uh, expectations about how this is going to do, but I, I I, think that you deserve meteoric success in this and I hope you find it. And if we can get, be there at that, at the, again, at that germ stage, that, that mm. seeded stage, then I'm happy to do it for you. 100%.
1: Thank you. That I means the world to me.
0: Off your resume there of a, amazing attributes, uh, Colin left off the time you brought in two submarine sandwiches and ate one for breakfast. And I was like, fuck yes. <laughs> <laughs> this guy is awesome. That was a really big sandwich. <laughs> God, I'll never forget. I'm like, oh, Jared's even better than I thought he was. Yeah. <laughs> that leads to heart disease, kids. Don't do it.
3: Um, you, are, you are authentically one of the good ones. 100%. 100%. Uh, and, and, and I know in your, in, inside you, you know that. But I've, I've I've encountered and met so many people now that know you, you know, that have, I've never heard one bad thing about you ever. Oh, I have a
1: list. Uh, I I'll gladly share them. But perhaps this is not the context of the time. It's thank an, you. It's for your incredible. Gracious it's words. incredible. So it, it, so you too kind of you. so I,
3: I'm, we're all wishing you the very yeah. best. You're part of this family. And so exactly. Oh, um, thank you. So and thank you guys for please support this. So Please support Jared's new endeavor. I think
0: it sounds fun. We're all going to be on it. So, yeah. Um, probably multiple times. And so, so, no, me, so we've talked about the show's <laughs> launching. There's a Patreon for it, but it'll be available for free everywhere. Honestly. Yeah, it's going to be
1: available. Here's the details. Uh, so, the day this goes up, uh, it's going to be out there. It's going to be available. It's available for free. You're going to be able to find it on YouTube. You're going to be able to find it on the Patreon site. You're going to be able to find it at PocketsFullOfSoup.com. We'll be on Twitter. We'll be on Facebook. There'll be a Facebook group. You can join that, find it there. We will be on iTunes eventually through soundcloud but i'm subject to the apple you know launch stipulations that takes a little while you guys know that really well but there'll be a direct link to the mp3 on the patreon and on the website so you should be able to just go there and find it through the soundcloud link there um that's the audio version of course you know come to youtube subscribe that will help tremendously it's going to be free and available to everybody else there will be of course the usual cadre of backer tier rewards and uh, you can go to patreon and find those and i really do hope you will because uh, uh i like money and i could use your help um but uh, yeah people have already helped in i mean you keep dancing around ways. it
0: like you keep saying you like money and not but i mean it all goes back to the angie thing right like you do this show because you want to do a show and you want to have your own project i do it part I want of to have it... my own
1: project and i do it because i live in san francisco and i have a job that is wonderful and great but my wife hasn't been able to return to work full-time and yeah it would be helpful to to uh, find a way to make ends meet. But also, frankly, I mean... This is going to be fun. If I don't make a dime on this. this is going to be fun. And I think it's a tiny little way of giving back to. And
2: I just um, want to put this out there just because there's going to be a lot of people out there that's like, oh, well, then why do you live in San Francisco? If you need money, blah, blah, blah. You don't live in San Francisco. That's true.
1: I live in the I, I live far away from San Francisco. You live far,
2: and- <laughs> far away from San Francisco <laughs> yeah. and have to commute to San Francisco for work, yeah. which is a very different thing. And that, I think, is a better representation that's a good of point. Yeah. I, I, the financial I, I, situation. I, I, there, there's
1: not, I can't really move much farther in. And still do what I do the way yeah. I do it. Uh, this I live kind of about as far away as you can. And for those not familiar, the San Francisco economic situation is is a is a particular one. It's a uh, shit show. Yeah, it's an
3: utter shit show. Um,
1: but I, I'm not trying to again not trying to gripe there. But yeah, guys, look, I, I'm not apologetic about this. I really hope that you will uh, give and get involved, and uh, I hope. Uh, soon to hear from a bunch of you too you'll be able to if you want to send in uh, uh questions by the way uh you can mail those to uh to mail at pocketsfullofsoup.com um so if you want to ask some of our guest things as they're coming up some of the people that you can look forward to you can ask me questions of course but you can also ask questions for greg we're filming you today uh i don't know if they'll get in, in time when this goes up i can so. tweet out if you want yeah say i'm doing yeah, a new podcast out. yeah doing something but uh maybe right now if you want, yeah, I, want, you I, want, I, want
0: I want to i won't say anything about you
1: you want to say anything about no, me? No. no, not at all. No, not a little bit. I mean, do you want me to? No, I don't want no. to blow your soft launch. Let's <laughs> well, that's that's go. No, right that's right. couple, a couple of weeks from now. All right, I will give it time. So, yeah, uh, when this goes up and then our big launch, that'll be August 1st. But you'll be able to get the, the content before then because uh, this is specifically time for the kind people who give to Kind of Funny's Patreon uh, who are so generous. And again, everybody's asking you for your money. I get that. I, I don't want to take advantage of your goodwill. But I really think this is actually something worth supporting, or I wouldn't be here doing this right now.
0: And of course, as you guys know better than anybody else, of course, just go subscribe on iTunes, the YouTube page, all that stuff. Because yeah. even if you don't have money to give or don't want to give it, you want to see what the show turns out to be. Those numbers help and Sub- absolutely. Absolutely. so much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jerry, we wish you well. Thanks. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. Please leave.
1: Oh, well, oh no! I don't get to talk about no, the. No, you keep going. Call us. What's your topic? We were four, sometimes five <laughs> friends. <laughs> you know, Portillo's the
0: fourth. You're the fifth. Get out of oh. Not one of those sometimes.
3: <laughs> so. Uh, I want to actually what I was on my phone before was I was trying to round up the, um, the where this question came from, because I want to give credit where credit is, due because I think it's a great topic and it's a timely topic. Um, it comes from. Let me see. JD me see. Witherspoon. No, no, no. OK, Catherine Hickman. So uh, she's a listener of That's this show. Off. Um, I was tweeting out a bunch of political things and I've been quote tweeting a lot a lot lately to try to answer more people um, and we were talking about the DNC started the D- Democratic National Convention started yesterday and she asked um, can we get a Game Over Greggy? topic on third party candidates and consequences of splitting the vote um, and this is popular because everyone hates Donald Trump and everyone hates Hillary Clinton so what are you supposed to do and I wanted to evolve this and ask you guys and I think it's especially uh, pertinent that Jared's here because Jared knows history <laughs> like I know history so um we can have an interesting conversation first about where third parties have been and where, why they come from, where they come from. We can talk about the know nothings and the free soil and all that kind of stuff. But, and we will, I'll I'll give you that history. (laughs) But the, but the thing I want to know more about is, do you guys think that there is a moral imperative to vote third party or not Mm. to vote third party? Mm. Sure. Mm. Um, as third party elections in two famous cases actually fucked uh, a candidacy of a person who should have otherwise won. Mm -hmm. Um, which one are you going to
0: toss out? What are your two examples? 1912 and 2000 yeah. are, the, are the material yeah.
3: ones that actually changed the course of the say, election. I was going to say, this is the and one. Maybe 1992, but that's, that's yesterday, up to you.
0: Yesterday, you, you brought up the topic today. Yesterday, on DNC Night 1, this tweet from uh, at Frank Dale was going around. A reminder about 2000 Florida. Gore lost, and he put in quotes, uh, by. Five hundred thirty-seven votes. Nader got nine ninety-seven, a little over ninety-seven thousand. New Hampshire Gore lost by a little over seven thousand. Nader got twenty-two
3: right thousand. So we'll get to two thousand because that was a that was a major one, and I think that people talk about this one a lot with good reason. Sure, um, yeah. he didn't lose. He 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 did lose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's why the now <laughs> now uh, I mean, so says the Supreme Court. Now um, five to four. So <laughs> yeah, which is weird because math is math. It should have been nine nothing. You would assume. Um, so. So first she asked about kind of the history and where where third parties have been. Now, I knew the answers to a lot of these questions, but I wanted to go and look. And I did about all of the years of consequence that actually third party candidates had run. Okay. Um, and so I have those years and I wrote them down. It's 1832 is the first year of massive, uh, massive third party running. But it happened. It it happened a lot, actually. And and I knew this and we could talk about this because we're going to um, in the years leading up to the Civil War. It happened almost every year. Um, and then there were ones like in 1892 and 1924, but actually 1912 and 1948 were big years. And then 92 uh, 68 was a big year too, actually Yeah. Uh, uh, with Wallace, but I wonder not, if you were going to bring that Yeah, up 92 that. and then 2000. We could have another year like that this year. So the history I wanted to bring up, I went and looked up the numbers. I knew the guys, but I, uh, who ran, but I was like, who were, what were the numbers and what were the consequences of these particular elections for, for, um, for the sake of argument. Right. Yeah. So in 1832, um, you had John Floyd running as a nullifier and you had William Wirt running as an anti-Masonic. And both of those guys, actually, nullification for what people don't know is, was the idea that this mostly Southern idea in American politics that does this, do the states have the, uh, the, the right to nullify federal laws? In other, right. in other words, can a federal law be passed by Congress and then the state's like, no, mm-hmm. we're just not going yeah. to do that.
1: Um, and Which at so, that point in American history was far less concretely established right. than, than it, than is, it now. is now. Exactly. It seems weird to us now, but then there was genuine question as to which one was the proper understanding of the Constitution. Right,
3: so nullification was nullification was a legit crisis in like the 1830s, for instance. Um, and both of those guys uh, polled in the teens. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so both of them got like a substantial amount of the popular vote, and both of them won small amounts of electoral votes. So there was a consequence there. But it wasn't until 1848 and 1852 that shit started to go haywire because this is when the Free Soil Party started to run. This was, this yeah. was the harbinger of the end of the Whigs and the beginning of the Republican Party. The Republican Party, of course, founded uh, to end slavery. Um, and this is when Martin Van Buren, who was already president. Yeah. Um, you know, a protege of Andrew Jackson and, uh, a New Yorker, uh, ran and won 14% of the vote. Um, and then Millard Fillmore in 1856 ran as a know nothing. Now, Mil- Millard Fillmore, of course, was already a president as well. Know nothing, uh, was a party that was basically anti-Catholic, anti-immigrant and nativist. Does that sound familiar? Uh, so, um, and he wanted, uh, he won twenty one point five percent of the vote and eight electoral votes. What people don't realize is that in eighteen sixty, which was the most consequential election in American history, who was elected in eighteen
2: sixty? Abraham John Franklin. John Franklin was. The, I was getting ready to jump. The great in president hypothesis. John
3: Franklin. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I got excited. I got excited. It's like I was like, "Ooh, ooh, I know, I know." It was So exciting. what people don't realize about eighteen sixty was when Abraham Lincoln was a no- nominated is that that was a clusterfuck. Mm-hmm. Abraham Lincoln won with only thirty nine percent of the vote. Yep, and. There were the Democratic Party that year split uh, between Breckenridge and Douglas, southern and northern Democratic parties. They had two different conventions. They hated each other and they both split their own vote. And then there was a constitutional party uh, run by John Bell, who won like another 18 percent of the vote or whatever. And so Abraham Lincoln won with only 180 electoral votes and uh, won with 39 percent of the vote. And that's when the southern states were like, fuck it. He won with literally no support Mm -hmm. from the southern states. None. Everyone hated him. And because of because of slavery. And so then I give you that background just to give you, you know, 1912 is the uh, Theodore Roosevelt uh, election, the Bull Moose Party. And this is probably the most consequent, one of the most consequential, because this is the only time a third party came in second. Yeah. So uh, a third party candidacy ran and Theodore Roosevelt actually came in second place, um, beat the Republican candidate. Um, who was Taft, who was running for re-election, giving us Woodrow Wilson. That was the first example What we were talking about of someone losing an election that they should have won and giving us someone who shouldn't have won, which was Woodrow Wilson. Woodrow Wilson should have never been president. If Theodore Roosevelt did not run, Yep, then Taft would have won re election.
1: Right. And to be clear for people who aren't familiar with the history, Roosevelt had already been president at this point. He was coming in, switching parties, mm. coming back in, and he was able to command an enormous amount of the popular vote because of that. Or right. at least proportionally enormous right. and spoil well, spoil or alter the course of the election.
3: For people that for people that are not aware, what basically ended up happening was in 1896 William McKinley is elected. William McKinley's yeah. vice president was Theodore Roosevelt. William McKinley is assassinated. Theodore Roosevelt becomes president, right? Theodore Roosevelt is then then runs again uh, 19. No, yeah, I have the dates right. Right. Yeah. 1896 1900 runs mm-hmm. 1904 runs. Yeah, something's wrong with this.
1: It's OK. We're close. We're close enough. He 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 won. Oh no, McKinley McKinley died and then in he served and then he was reelected. Right. Exactly. So the dates yeah. are a little off. Yeah. Uh,
3: Theodore Roosevelt wants for reelection and there is no constitutional amendment yet to stop you from running for a third or a fourth or a fifth term. It just didn't happen. It's called George Washington set the precedent. No one even really did that shit at that time. FDR was really the only one that, that really did it. And um, he handpicks a successor, Taft, and then ends up fucking hating Taft. Mm-hmm. So he comes back in and basically, I don't want to use assassinated his his, uh, his candidacy, but basically sabotages his candidacy, comes in as a progressive. Everyone loves Theodore Roosevelt. Taft gets shit, shit upon and then Woodrow Wilson becomes president. So the first example, and really the only one of two or maybe three examples of a third-party presidency destroying who should have won. And then in '48, you have Strom Thurmond, who was like a racist, the Dixiecrats. In, yeah, exactly. And in, in in uh 1968, you have a uh, Wallace, who was a fucking complete racist. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if you don't know, if you guys don't know anything about Governor Wallace, uh, total segregationist, uh, governor of Alabama, I think, yep, right, Governor of um, Alabama. And uh, ran on a segregationist platform basically for a long time. He actually came back. He was almost murdered yep. in an assassination attempt, became paralyzed. And later on in the eighties ran for governor and won again and apologized for all that shit. But no one really cares about that because he has this, that much like Strom Thurmond has this deep seated, like racism. Well, had
1: this legacy of hate. And uh, although he was actually became very popular in Alabama in some circles, even when he did that reelection, right? he, there's an actually
3: a, a tunnel in Montgomery named after him still, yeah. uh, which is unbelievable. Uh, And then we get to uh, 1992, right? And this is where things get really interesting. Ross Perot wins like 18.9% of the vote uh, as an independent candidate. As people know, Ross Perot actually left the election, left the race in the summer. He was winning, left the race and then came back late and still won 18.9% of the vote. There's a lot of conjecture that he might have just won Mm -hmm. if he stayed in. Um, And there was a lot of conspiracy theories. It was something like he thought the FBI and the CIA were after his daughter and yeah, there was the, like, I black helicopters there were, at his wedding and all this like weird shit like he thought
1: the parties were going after him. He was a little crazy. They did a terrible job explaining that dropout because poll wise he was golden at the moment he walked out. It was it was shocking. It was one of those it's one of those great like just kind of unexplained moments in American history. where it's just like nothing about this adds up and I never got a satisfactory answer. Um, so I think that's why it's such a hotbed for conspiracy and maybe just didn't want to deal with it, but but we don't know. And we probably never will.
3: And the reason that that's consequential is that that might've been really the only time that someone would have realistically won as a third party candidate. Um, and then in 2000, you have the notorious, uh, Gore Bush Nader clusterfuck that happens in Florida. (laughs) Um, and, um, so I was I, the, only I, I, the only time. reason I say all of that and to bring all that You're up is the
1: talk, problem. You're the hanging Chad. I, I, I was the hanging Chad. I'm sorry. You guys can blame me for that. So, yep. the, so the only reason I bring that up is
3: to set the stage for. And by the way, my dates with McKinley and Theodore Result were right. I think the uh, I set the stage for because she asked, like, where. what's the history? That is the history. Um, the the common theme between all of the third party candidates is that they're well outside the mainstream you're either hyper racist as Millard Fillmore was or as Wallace was or as Strom Thurmond was or you have very progressive ideals like the Free Soil Party had. Or Eugene um, V. Debs
1: or, who represented the
3: Socialist Party and got a significant chunk of the vote right, in a exactly. places of places. Um, e- Theodore Roosevelt was a progressive Republican so he was well outside of the mainstream. I mean, we're talking about a Republican that's more in line with... Theodore Roosevelt would be very at home with progressive Republicanism today. Like mm-hmm. uh, the person like I am. And he's obviously one of New York's favorite, favorite people. But... Um, the idea is that they're outside of the mainstream. And so what you're left with is, is the mainstream candidates, the, the Republicans and the Democrats, or back in the day, the Whigs and the Democrats, or the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists, or whatever it might be. The question, therefore, now that we have the historical perspective, that sometimes this does sabotage elections, is in 1912, was it incumbent on Republican and conservative and independent voters to vote for Taft? Because by voting for Theodore Roosevelt, they lost the election for the man who should have won. But does anyone have the right to win the election?
0: That's the bigger question. Yeah. Who who decides who should have won?
3: Gore definitely sabotage or Gore was definitely sabotaged by Nader. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Gore would have won if Nader didn't run. Mm-hmm. But whose problem is that other than Gore's problem? Like, so where do you guys sit on this? Because we're talking today about two candidates that people genuinely don't like. For context, and we talked about this in the past in post-war polling which is very scientific. So since 1945, so let's say since Truman ran in 48, right? The four most unpopular candidates in polling is Barry Goldwater, McGovern, Donald Trump, and Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Yeah. Two Two of them are running against each other, which is unbelievable. Meaning that any, even a, even a moderately decent
1: candidate would destroy them. If a moderately decent candidate were allowed to survive without also being, I mean, some of what's going on here is that, yeah, okay, I got to be careful uh, because I don't, wanna, I don't want to advocate something irresponsibly. But I do think that some of what's happened in this case is that we had a candidate that a couple of years ago when Hillary Clinton was extremely popular with voters. And two years of Benghazian email exposure has changed that. When Hillary Clinton became the heir apparent for the Democratic Party, she was a far more popular candidate than she is now. She was polling much Much, much higher in approval ratings nationwide than she is at the moment. But over the course of that, uh, whether you approve of Mrs. Clinton or not, uh, her she was subject to a very, very close scrutiny that resulted in a gradual decline in her popularity. Whether you want to call that uh, well-deserved repercussions for her actions or a smear campaign, I'm going to leave that to the viewers to decide. I call Um, it karma. uh, But whatever you may call it, it did happen. I worry that right now, many moderate candidates on both sides of the aisle who tried to make a move would find themselves subject to very similar systematic uh, systematic treatments, and that's something as old as politics. But right now, we're in a very new place where the you know politics is is largely about publicity control. That's one element of it, and information control has changed in the last four to eight years more than it has in the last forty to eighty. Uh, the way that people are able to manipulate what we hear, what we understand and what we see has changed a lot. That has to do with everything from the way news networks works to the work, to the emergence of Twitter, to the fact that I can go to Bloomberg nerds and Brett Bart and CNN and MSNBC read the same story. And as Wired points out, get four completely different headlines. that look like four different news stories on exactly the same facts. Uh, I can choose what reality I live in politically right now and be in the center of the mainstream, not a lunatic fringe guy, which is what that would have been called 15 years ago. We're still learning how to deal with that, and people are still learning to control it. And because of that, almost anybody who's going to go front and center is going to be subject to a degree of marginalization that has not been technically possible in human history until very recently. That has to do with the way news organizations computing power and network infrastructure are all now tied together in a way they've never been. And I do think that that presents us with challenges where it's going to be very hard for us to get a likable candidate on a national level, maybe for a while. That's yeah. a thought on that.
3: Yeah. I mean, I guess the more salient thing to ask, they like d- delve down into it is, is a vote for Gary Johnson or Jill Stein, a vote for Donald Trump, right? Or is, it incumbent on the person to vote their conscience mm-hmm. now as a student of history i often i know exactly how elections are engineered from a very microscopic and molecular level yeah. i know exactly how it works right. and and I, i've been fascinated by it since i was a very little kid and but i used to be very pragmatic being like you can't vote third party because there are no there's actually no room for them i used to even argue because in college because i'm like there really is only yes or no mm-hmm. right pro-life or pro-choice right Pro-war, anti-war. Free trade, not free trade. Like, there's not that much gray area, except when you put them all together. Yeah, that's, and and that's, that's of of the nation. problem, right? right? Yeah, And yeah. so, my theory now is that, fuck that. I don't give a fuck who wins out of those two. If if, if, I, if my vote for Johnson, was, I'm going to vote for Gary Johnson as a vote for Trump, then so be it. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm voting for my man. As long as we keep telling ourselves... That we have these two bullshit choices over and over and over again. It will never, ever change. And we have to start like peeling into that. We deserve better than the shit sandwich we've been served. And I'm not going to take part in it. So if I have a de facto vote for Donald Trump, so be it. I did not pull the the, the lever for Donald Trump. I do not like Donald Trump. And if he wins because I didn't vote for Hillary Clinton, I would never vote for Hillary Clinton ever, Mm -hmm. ever. So you're, she is not losing a vote for me. Mm-hmm. You
1: know what I mean? I will never. I want to reiterate well, that. Maybe, maybe that's ever the, vote for Hillary Clinton. Maybe that's the answer to your question, Colin. Uh, maybe it's not. Maybe voting your conscience isn't binary. Maybe voting your conscience is simply a matter of testing your conscience and going. I want to vote for this person because I believe they're the best candidate or I want to vote for this person because I believe that will keep the lesser of two evils or whatever. They're both questions of conscience. You know, if, if just be, if you vote for a third party candidate because you think they make the best president, that's a choice of conscience. That's that's a great choice to make. If you vote for one candidate over another, even though you don't particularly like one of them, but you think the other one is the coming of the dark apocalypse, that's also a vote of conscience. There are different weighings of your conscience, but they're both made for the same reasons. And I, so I'm not sure that they're mutually exclusive. Um, in my case, this is an easy election for me. I I. I like Hillary Clinton, um, so this is going to be an, an easy vote for me. I do understand why many people are are vying with frustration about candidate two candidates that they don't like. Um, for me, were I faced with a situation where I had uh, uh, Mr. Trump as one candidate, somebody that I genuinely think would make a a, a historically terrible president. Uh, that's a personal belief, and another candidate, let's take Mrs. Clinton out and so let's let's say george wallace is the other candidate you know and, and and george wallace who was a horrible racist pig in many many ways uh or at least at least during the early parts of his political career and I, I can't speak to his heart later looking at both of those people you know suddenly third-party candidate looks more appealing to me and i get how some people feel that way about it but like you say there's no university to voted for mrs clinton i don't think i can vote for donald trump And if I was looking at a terrible candidate and a bad candidate, my uh, odds are my choice of conscience would be to vote for the bad candidate most of the time. In this case, I don't feel that way. I actually don't feel Mrs. Clinton, don't think Mrs. Clinton's a bad candidate. So I'm having an easier time with this election than many people.
2: I feel like I'm with you in the sense that I my vote would be for the better end result. And even if I don't necessarily love one or the other. But what what's interesting to me is talking about the fact that we're in, in the place that we are uh, with Twitter and news being how it is and all this stuff where calling you backing this guy is instantly going to mean that all of your followers are now going to be aware of him in a way that they weren't before necessarily. Um, and I think that if there's more views out there. Maybe the numbers can change enough, you know, and I think that that's kind of the 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 real question where you're talking about the thing of conscious where it's like, where's that tipping point of that being enough to make the third party enough to disturb this whole thing, you know, to disrupt the system that we have, because I do think that it's choosing the lesser of two evils. But then if you introduce the third option, you need to be able to back that third option enough to make it disrupt things in a way thinking towards the future, thinking towards trying to make things better instead of just trying to make a point against the other two, you know, but like, how do you get there without pushing it? You know, is it maybe this time you voting for him and you, you know, rallying and pushing for him and believing in him is going to, if that brings Trump, that's a bad thing, but Is it going to, you know, set it up for four years from now that more people are going to be like, huh? And then more people four years later and then maybe in 20 years get to a point where it is a little bit easier to come up with the the choices of this or that. But right now, I personally believe that it's like it is a lesser two evils thing. And it's just like the Trump is just bad news. Yeah, that's my
0: thing is I'm voting against Trump. That's what I'm casting my vote for. And so I'm, I'm going to cast it for Hillary, who I really don't have an opinion pro or con on. I'm not positive or negative on her. She's just Hillary Clinton. which what she always did. Did this email thing. All right. Whatever. Emails. Uh <laughs> Like, my hope isn't... So, I mean, like, I, I feel I feel you yeah, on the third party, hopefully, that, you know, you'd support him here, and then the domino effect, and it would all change, and da-da-da. I feel like we've had... Granted, nobody, I don't think, uh, in terms of, like, a system, somebody shaking up the system like Bernie Sanders or whatever, like, that was a groundswell. That was a big deal this time around. Granted, not third party traditionally, but I'm talking about outside of the normal thing. Mm-hmm. My hope is that what we've seen in this election cycle, and I've talked about before, is that four years from now, whoever the incumbent is versus whoever the up-and-comer is, the up-and-comer should... Every, I mean, from here on out, hopefully, knock on wood, politics start to, as usual, start to fade away, and it's going to be a bunch of people like, I'm a normal guy, I'm a normal person, here's what it is, I will tell you what I'm feeling, I will tell you what's going on, taking the lessons learned from this of Trump being one extreme, Bernie being the other extreme, like, I'm the moderate normal guy, you know what I mean? I believe this and that, and I'm not going to get caught up in this, and I don't want to yell at him, why would we, you know, like, you hope that that's whoever the incumbent is is up against next time, Mm -hmm. because right now it is this weird thing of, Hillary is that... You still this holdover I feel from like the president we've seen all the time of just saying what they need to say to get elected you know carpet bagging do whatever and then Trump is the I'm popular because I say whatever the fuck I think but I, say, I think crazy things and I say it all the time <laughs> and it's like fuck can't we have a
1: normal person who says what says what they think? And that's, it, that's an interesting observation Greg uh, the the idea that I mean the, the thing that drives me crazy about Donald Trump is that he is in a very perverse way addressing very real problems mm-hmm. Um, he 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 looks at widespread unemployment and a groundswell of anger at, at economic frustrations, and then proceeds to offer not even I wouldn't he offers uh, blame described as solutions or disguised probably blame disguised as solutions to that which is the element that I've, I find that I find corrupt. I, I do think that the that the, the 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 racism and the the Islamophobia and the is 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 perverse uh, and, and very frustrating. But at heart, the fact that a bunch of people in America feel disenfranchised is a very real problem. It's just not the right answer to it. Um, I think Mrs. Clinton is, I think in a lot of ways, Mrs. Clinton's a good candidate. Um, I also think what's happening in the campaign has, uh, has at least forced her in directions where she's realizing she's not going to be able to get through her presidency without addressing some of this. But ultimately, like Greg, I look forward to a future where we're engaging these problems. You know, if enough people vote for Gary Johnson, does the Republican Party or the Democratic Party ultimately become more libertarian? Does that happen if they, if they see that there's an enormous section of the population out there that feels underrepresented? Um, maybe. I mean, I keep holding on hope for what Collins always talking about—the Republican Party dying
0: and becoming something new or splitting into two. It's um, happened. I mean, the, 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 it's so remarkable that the
3: parties haven't died. We haven't had a dead party in in over 150 years. I yeah. mean, that's 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 an incredible thing. Parties were coming and going in the first 60 or 70 years of the Republic. Like it was fucking like no nobody's business. Yeah. Like there were million like the Federals and anti-Federals were old news. But that was like George Washington's party and Thomas Jefferson's party. Yeah, they they were gone by the 1820s. They were gone. Mm-hmm. These, those men were still, when Jeff, Washington died in 1799, but Jefferson was still alive when that, when that, when that party was dead.
1: You well, know, some like, of that was the self-definition that was taking place, the fact that the country was still defining what it was. I mean, we think of, you know, we think of the United States of America as, as, a, as a single unified entity. There were a lot of questions about what that was. You know this better than anybody. Uh, you know, what? just were we the United States of America or the United States of America? Which inflection were we? Mm-hmm. Those questions were questions those parties were struggling with, uh, and ultimately were decided in the very infancy uh, of the Republican Party. Um, and but parties instead of dying, you're right, they have changed. They've changed tremendously. They've changed radically, but like yeah. they haven't changed completely. That's the one yeah. thing everyone's
3: like, they changed faces. I'm like, no, they didn't. Not completely. They're there, but they have changed. The Republican Party. If you ask like an uneducated person don't know anything about politics, like. Which party freed the slaves and which party had the slaves? Yeah. They'd be like, oh, the Democrats freed the slaves. I'm like, no, the mm-hmm. Democrats were the fucking slave
1: owners. No, the, so the so, so, like, Southern Democrats are the reason Jim Crow survived as long as it did. It's just
3: true. Yeah. And, and and they were the one, you know, the Democrats while George Wallace was a fucking Democrat. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And that's the, that's the thing that always that's the thing that always got me. Like, how did we let this happen? To, well, like, our party and I'm not a Republican anymore. I left the party, but. I always wonder. I am like, how the fuck did we let that
1: happen to us? I, I you know? think, yeah, that that's a long, complicated tale. I, I think it has some to do with of LBJ with the, and the Southern strategy, yeah, exactly. And, the, the Democrats changed. I mean, that's a lot of it, and the Republicans didn't adapt along with them. Uh, yeah, L, LBJ kicked as much of a jerk as that guy could be. He kicked that door down, uh, kicked it wide open, and it could never close again.
3: Yeah, um, so so I, I think the. The reason I wanted to bring this up is not only because she asked or whatever, and I think it's an interesting topic, but it really does come to, to the fore this this particular election cycle. It doesn't have to be Gary Johnson or Jill Stein. I don't really give a fuck who you vote for. It's just that I don't no, no longer buy into the notion that you have to vote against an idea. You should vote aspirationally for the person that you think would be the best president. Now, I think that there are I can name you 10 people that I think would be a better president than Gary Johnson very easily, including Mitt Romney who I cannot fucking believe didn't get involved in this election because he would have won. (laughs) I want to reiterate that he would have won and it wouldn't even been close. So, because Hillary Clinton's, we can talk about Hillary Clinton as being, you know, obviously she has her supporters. She, 65% of Americans say they they don't trust her. Mm -hmm. How can we have a president that 65, 65 out of 100 people in the United States don't even trust? You know, like, she we now as a New Yorker as a, as a as a Rockefeller Republican old school Paleocon New Yorker I have a fucking huge grudge against Hillary Clinton and that's and that's well right. documented of course she uh, yeah. is a fucking opportunist she has done nothing of note she is she is who she is because of who she is fucking married to and she doesn't have. Uh, we don't believe in dynastic fucking shit in the United States. Yeah, I don't, I don't believe it. You
1: don't be in a Senator and the secretary of state. She was, she
3: was given, would she have been elected Senator? if She wasn't Bill Clinton's wife. Would she, would she have, would she have run for president if she wasn't Bill Clinton's wife? And if she, would she have been secretary of state if she wasn't Bill Clinton's wife? Almost. Those are the whole sequence of events that I'm talking about. She is, she is a smart woman, an interesting woman, you know, maybe would have been an interesting politician was elevated because of the popularity of her husband. Now there's not that's opportunism and that's nepotism but was
1: successful because of the capabilities she had when she took advantage of this opportunity
3: sure i'm not i'm not taking away that she was secretary of state which is an f- immensely important position yeah. and i'm not taking
1: you know i was in new york when she when she went well, I, mean, I understand and was a your travesty. frustration i get but I, I mean, mean the, death, the death, death of the Rock rockefeller republicans is in, is is a bad thing for america yeah it is and I, what people don't
3: and that's the other thing that's so frustrating about like we've lost republicanism and that's why i left the party and people can read my post on facebook about why i left, but. New York was dominated by Republicans at times. Right. And and like we were normal people like Long Island still has Republicans and upstate still has Republicans, but we lose every election now because we don't control the New York City and we never really control New York City. But like the Rockefeller Republican strand was a moderate Republican strand. We had George Pataki was a moderate Republican governor when I was a kid. Yeah, my, my Long Island was represented by moderate Republicans like like Grucci and King, you know, like. The, but we've we've lost sight of that because we have these the we have these parties running to the edges um, with Bernie Sanders and with Donald Trump where it's in, not in a safe place. and I think the only way to recalibrate the system is not to accept that that is normal. It is not normal. It says a lot about us that Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump are our nominees. It says a lot about us. Now we see with the DNC leak that they really tried to engineer this in a way that would make her lo- make her win. And I still
1: have on the mind that Sanders would not be Trump because
3: I'm not of the mind that Clinton's going to be Trump
1: at this point. Five, I don't, I don't, yeah, I, I'm not going to predict the future on this one. I, I think either one of them could win it. Um, oh, I think it's
3: I think it's I think it's, it's going to be a coin toss at the very end. Five thirty eight, which is Nate Silver's website, which is a very well respected pollster uh, polling website and, and prognosticator of politics. Has it at fifty five percent Trump right now. Now, now, which is <laughs> I never thought I'd see the day when it would be anything but like ten percent Trump.
1: I, 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 but the, 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 DNC fact, is the fact that, is that Pennsylvania is even in play. I, I don't know what to do with. I, I feel like I've, I've, it's like the, the Zoolander thing. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I, yeah, just, you know, I, I don't know. What, it's it's an unbelievable doing. stretching in the map that Trump's doing.
3: Mike Pence was not a smart move, but it puts the Rust Belt in play. There's a lot of political strategy going on with these guys for sure. But I just feel like we deserve better. And I guess that's that's what I'm saying is, you know, vote. I want to encourage people to vote their conscience. Vote for the, the person you think should be president and send a message. There is going every vote you have has unintended and intended consequences You know, there is blowback on everything we've ever done in in, in electorally. Um, But I I don't buy the argument that we have to vote against the lesser two evils or we're going to keep finding ourselves in these positions until good people run again. And we might, you know, I don't know Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump personally. They both might be very good people, but they're not my definition of good people running for president. They're not, you know, and um I'm concerned about it. I'm like, I'm really concerned about it. It's not that I'm like rah, rah, Gary Johnson. Cause I'm really not. I've known about Gary Johnson for many years. Gary Johnson was a very popular Republican governor of New Mexico. Mm-hmm. He's been bouncing around for a long time. Um, and he has some ideas that I agree with and some ideas I don't. And I agree with you that Donald Trump is, is, is specifically talking about things that need to be talked about, just not in a way that's
1: eloquent or appropriate. Oh yeah. I no, think- or be, I'd say beyond appropriate. I mean, that, that's I, 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 Donald Trump. You, you, we talked about Thurman and we talked about Wallace we're talking about a person who contextualized against their age is advocating ideas. Everybody is egregious that that's the problem there. Um, And that that's the part that keeps sticking in my crawl. I don't know if I'm thinking with my head or my heart on this one. I Mm -hmm. think it's, I think it's stuck in my throat right in between, but I know I'm choking when I think about it and that it's just too familiar. There's just this little echo. I keep hearing this when I look, when I listen to Mr. Trump speak, it's that voice in the back of my head, echoing from high school civics class, watching, watching this, the, the, the floor, this, the Senate hearings and just hearing, have you no decency at long last? Have you no decency running through the back of my head and, and uh, Google that guys, if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's, it's worth looking up.
3: Yeah. And I, I think just to, and I know you want to wrap up, but I, I, I think, you know, to Trump, like, I think they both have interesting things to say. I think Trump has every right to speak on free trade, which is screwed manufacturing in this country, which, by the way, was part partly the fault of Bill Clinton. Yep. Um, And I think that's and and I think that he's he's appealing to those people. I also like I don't I don't necessarily think that free trade is always a good idea. I don't. And, And we have. So, like, he speaks to that. I don't I think we have a massive illegal immigration problem in the United States. Like. Absolutely. I think we have every right to control our border and I think we have every right to tell people that aren't that aren't supposed to be here that they shouldn't be here. I think that that's totally fine. You can have a respectful way to talk about that, you know, like and on the other side, Hillary Clinton is just eating it all up. But she's not being strategic enough and she's changing her mind on, on the left, right and center because of Bernie Sanders and what he did. So it's, it's a complicated issue. I will say this. To your point about what Trump reminds you of. There's a lot of hyperbole out there about Trump reminds people of Hitler, and this remind, and I'm like, you really have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. But the like, the United States in 2016 is not Germany in 1933. Germany in 1933 was suffering from hyperinflation. They had just lost a humiliating war. They had no jobs. And there was like a bunch well, of actually
1: big, two of the two out of three of those sound kind of familiar, <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but not not nearly to the extent that it was going on in Germany. And there was also a mythos and a lore there about the stab in the back and the November criminals. And there was a, a bent on eugenics and anti-Semitism and all that shit was embedded in Germany. It's a very complicated scene in Nazi Germany or in in, in uh, Weimar Republic, Germany yeah. that led to, 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 to led to the kind of perfect storm of him becoming chancellor in 1933. And I'm not saying that that, you know, like there, there isn't some comparison. I'm just saying when people are like, it's going to turn into a Nazi. Germany, I'm like, no, it's not. It's not. I'm sorry. It's not. If Trump becomes president, it's not going to turn into a fascist dictatorship. It's not going to happen. But there was something that he said that I thought was so interesting. And I want to end it on this that I was like, huh. This sounds like Hitler. And it was not something that I don't think a lot of people picked up on because people weren't listening closely and they were just whatever. It was that he talked about we suffered humiliation after humiliation And I was like, that sounds like Hitler. You know, that's what he preyed upon, the nativism Mm
2: -hmm.
3: and the nationalism. Um, And that's the shit you have to be scared of. So does Trump have some fascist tendencies? I think so. Uh, Does he have some totalitarian tendencies? Yes. But the system will not allow for that to happen. It won't. So unless the system is uprooted, like it's just it's a totally different kind of thing. So I want people to keep things in the context as well. Should Donald Trump get elected and I hope that that doesn't happen and I don't want that to happen. We will survive it. You know, we will. But so it's important to keep things in context and to keep things realistic as well about how we can combat realistic problems as opposed to making a mountain out of a molehill. That man is clearly a bigot and that man is clearly a sexist and he's clearly a racist, but he's not Adolf Hitler, you know, and uh, so we have to keep those in, 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 in mind as well. Nonetheless, Vote your conscience if you want to vote for Hillary Clinton, vote for Hillary Clinton, Johnson, Jill Stein, even if you want to vote for Trump. I'm um, No judgments here. Um, but I say we got to get out of the system. And the only way to break this two party system, the only way to break this ideas of yes or no's or lesser of two evils is to start showing that we fucking mean it. And we got so close with Ross Perot. And I think we can have another moment like that. I do think Gary Johnson will be on that stage. And I think that he just has to reach 15 percent in aggregate polling and he'll be on that stage. And that's going to show everyone that there's a third choice.
1: And, I think there's a good chance he's going to get there too. Yeah.
3: And the crazy thing is, is that they're both polling so low that if he can peel off a fourth of each of their voting block, he could win. Yep. You know, now he's not going to win. But it's it's aspirational. So, you know, I wanted to bring that up. I'm glad, I'm glad we got to talk about it. Uh, but just remember to vote or you have no right to talk about any of this at all.
0: This episode is brought to you by Loot Crate. Loot Crate is a monthly subscription box service for epic geek and gamer and pop culture gear. For less than $20 a month, you get four to eight items that include licensed gear, apparel, collectibles, unique, one-of-a-kind items, and more. Make sure you head to lootcrate.com slash kindoffunny and enter the offer code kindoffunny to save $3 on a new subscription. Loot Crate is more than just a subscription service. It's an entire community of fans that share their experience and interact with each other around the unboxing of each month's crate. And they guarantee more than $40 in value in every crate. Sometimes, it's a lot more. Every month, there's a different theme, and all the items are curated around that theme. Previous crates have included things from franchises like Star Wars, Marvel, The Walking Dead, The Legend of Zelda, and many more. From bad guys doing good things for the wrong reason to good guys with questionable tactics, August is the perfect time to explore the anti-hero. Hero, hero. hero. I added that echo for you, Kev, because they put it all in caps. They didn't put the echo. They just put anti-hero. So I did echo for you, Kev. Walk. The Hero Villain line with this 100% exclusive collection of items from DC Comics, Archer, Dark Horse, and Kill Bill. That includes two great collectibles, a wearable, and of course, our monthly t-shirt. And don't forget the pin. Remember, you only have until the 19th at 9pm Pacific to subscribe and receive that month's crate, and when the cutoff happens, Jack, that's it. It's over. So go to lootcrate.com slash kindoffunny and enter the offer code FUNNY to save $3 on your new subscription today jared yes my friend last week on the game over greggy show i went out on a limb all right and i said something that angered a lot of people Uh oh set the world on fire really broccoli (sighs) that shit's good today i have a similar follow-up all right here we go music that shit's good I'm with you. See, no, it, I I've, we do these music conversations every so often yeah. here. We uh, one of the famous topics we did here was where we rated uh, five different things: video games, reading, music, some two okay, other things. Great. My music movies, was way down there. And TV. Music was way down there for me. Mm-hmm. We've done music recommendations before. I'm like, I don't know. Weezer. Going to see Weezer Sunday. Very excited. Post oh, flying cool. in from Chicago. Um, that's all well and good. But a few months ago now, Jared Petty, my Apple Music. I was doing that the free trial. Yeah. And it stopped. Okay. I was like, ah, fuck. And I'm like, I don't want to give you. Apple Music was fine, but I know Colin's always talking about Spotify. Yeah. So I joined up with the Spotify. Okay. Started using that service. You're booing Spotify? Yeah, I'm not a Spotify fan. We've been through this. Keep going. Join up with the Spotify, way more impressed with it than I am the Apple Music because it's just beaming. It's my phone, it's my iPad, it's the computer, it's the PS4. I turn on one of them. It's like, oh, you're already listening on another one. Do you want to listen here? I'm like, yes or no, maybe. I don't know. It depends on what it is. Whatever you want. However, I've been getting around with this music now, and I've noticed today it is now a crucial part of my day, when before, it never was. Ah. I, I like music here and there. I had a song, I, I, you know, I, I... I'm so glad to hear that. I buy all the Nashville stuff, because yeah. I want to support the TV show Nashville. CMT, what up? Thank you for your help. Uh, support Nashville. I buy all the albums for that. I have all my Weezer stuff. I have my Taylor Swift stuff. So it used to be I'd get on the planes or do whatever. I walked to the grocery store. I listened to what I had on my iPod, and it was, it was great. Okay, good. Right. But now with this Spotify thing, I'm getting this Lana Del Rey girl I've never heard of. She had a song about video <sighs> really? games. Interesting. Put her in. I'm like hell. Oh.
2: It's not about video games. It's called video games. Well, it's, it's about
0: her fucking some guy that plays video Lana games. Lana Del Rey. So it's
2: fan fucking fantastic.
0: <laughs> I, well, I was I was I was, I was listening to that with somebody else the other day, and I was like, are all her songs like this? Because I had no idea what they were. And No, they are kind of. They're all that. Like I thought it was like somebody doing like a bassy thing.
2: Each album has a a different vibe, a different kind of uh, subgenre to it. Right. Um, I really like her a lot. A lot of people dislike her because she's kind of mainstream for being that kind of singer songwriter type. Sure. Um, I I think that that's rubbish. She's amazing. I I love her her style and her uh, zero fucks given attitude that is really clear from her music. Okay. And um, I'm a big fan of. Uh, Born, what the, Born to die? Born to die, yeah. yeah the, the album. That video games so, off that, yeah. yeah, exactly. That album's so good. It kind of has a a nice hip hop vibe without the rap okay. to sure. it uh, in terms of the the production of the the beats and the instrumentals. Um, it has a, a nice orchestral feel um, that I really appreciate. Her newest album or Ultraviolence, and then she had one after that. Um, both of those are a bit more of the alt rock e feeling sure um I'm a little less into those but having said that it's still still fantastic and she is still amazing and uh mm-hmm. all I've never heard a song from her that I dislike
0: yeah sorry that's fine I don't care I I, I like Lana X Del Rain. yeah Donald Del Rey in the video game song I listened to some other stuff I didn't it didn't make it to my list that's <laughs> how you know I like you mm. I listen to this and then if I hit the little plus button you get added to my little my day song. at the races
2: is my my song. That's the
0: jam from yeah. Lana Del Rey? Off to the races. Off to the races. Off to the races? Day of the races is i uh, I'll look into it for you. Is it off Born to Die? Yeah, track two. Okay, I'll look into it for you. So, th- you're getting to some of my things here. But, so, I want to know about your rituals with music. Because now what I find... Here's what I do every day. And it's going to sound dumb? I don't care. It's my ritual and I like it a lot. I wake up. I walk the d- dog, feed the dog because he sucks. Usually sit around till 9.15... 10:45, whenever Kevin decides to fucking poof out of the middle of the air so I can buzz him in the goddamn house. What? It's true. Is it? Am I wrong? I got, I can't shower till you get get to the house. Am I wrong? Say something. You're gonna talk shit for a second and you realize it's true, didn't you? Got you dead to rights, boy. <laughs> Anyways, do whatever this i have to do. But when it's time to shower, I'll go and brush my teeth, mm-hmm. go in there all that stuff. I go in there with the iPad because I bought one of these waterproof speakers back when I, oh, when I was down this. Yeah. Day. Put it up. Piece of garbage. I had to be like really close to it for the Bluetooth. Now granted, I bought the20 dollars version. had to be close to the <laughs> thing or whatever to play off my iPhone and it finally just broke or whatever. we used to use it for calls. Remember, Tim you and yep. I would go take calls and I didn't like it at all. And then I got another one at uh, VidCon. I can't even figure out how to connect the Goddamn thing because I'm apparently 75 years old. So I was like, whatever. <laughs> but I noticed when I take the iPad in there, speakers on the iPad are really good. and if I put it in the corner, if I put it in the corner next to my sink, it bounces off all the walls, and it's really loud and it's perfect. and I like nice. it a lot. So I go in there I put it on, put on either my songs. Maybe one of these, I like the acoustic coffee house playlist or whatever. There's a lot of good playlists where mm-hmm. the, I just find new music, put a pin in that one, put it in the corner, play, do all this stuff, right? But then I sh- turn off all lights and I light a candle and I shower by candlelight and I like it a lot. Not for the romance of it, which is very romantic. Don't get me wrong, but it's like I'm in a spa. I'm listening to good tunes in there. I'm washing up. And this is morning candles. This isn't evening Oh, no, 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 no. This is, yeah, yeah, is no. starting day This is starting the
1: day. I'm like, let's get into a therapeutic space here. And that's important because your, your bathroom, no window, right? Like, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I shut the uh, yeah, door. So, so it's just it's you close up. You are you are in the darkness. It's you. It's a candle. It's beautiful music. Yeah, it's the, the rush of the water. Uh-huh. You got that little soapy lather all sure. Yeah. Do you ever like scrub along with the rhythm?
0: No, 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 no. Do you sing no. along? If it's a good song, yeah. Good song, yeah, yeah like, yeah, What's the
1: last song you sang along with?
0: Oh, I've sing along with it. I mean, if I know the song, I'm along singing along with You're singing along. Okay, yeah, so yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, so it's so. a do you ever do you ever change the music in the shower do you ever get angry get out of the shower and change the track no like, I don't no that's that? not
0: because it's over on the other side there in the corner tucked away and again usually it, it you know if it's playing off one of the playlists it's going to be gone soon enough and if it's in my song file it's usually good
1: see that's one of the keys to a long and successful marriage is work out the mutual music rules early mm-hmm. i've learned like because like you're on a road trip you got the playlist there on your phone or you've got it however you've got it arranged or even if it's just the radio stations if you're, if you're traveling on a long trip no being able to be with somebody who doesn't It syncs up with you musically, not just in the type of music you listen to, but important factors like, hey, do you skip ahead in the middle of songs you don't like? Do you keep doing that? Do you change the station every time a new song comes up? Are you somebody that has a playlist prepared and is compatible with that idea? Or do you just want to put it on random and jump around? These are the burning questions you need to work out before you agree to spend the rest of your life with someone. Because if you don't, you will regret it. And Mm.
0: you stumble on something. This is when I knew, ladies and gentlemen, that I had gone from a Spotify Padawan to a Spotify Sith Lord, and I'm pretty sure that's how it works. Wow, Jedi, Trekkie.
1: Yeah. I went to the, actually the I, Sith I, I, don't have Padawan. I went.
0: No. I'm sorry, Padawan to a red shirt on the Enterprise. I knew this. That's when I, more wrong. I woke up one day and I was in a mood, and I wanted music to fit that mood, and I made a playlist to w- go run errands, and I was like, I got it. Spotify red shirt. <laughs> how do you Master feel about man. that? Colin? Making playlists. How did you put that into words? Making playlist because I'm all set. I know what I want. I, deliver, I wasn't going to go into the because sometimes it doesn't work, Kevin, where you have the bucket of all the songs I like. Yeah. And sometimes I want to shower by that. Sure, whatever comes on, comes on. But sometimes, Kevin, I'm in a motherfucking mood. Yep. And I, I didn't, for a while, I was like, well, I guess I skip, but how do I skip in the shower? What? And then I was like, wait, you can make playlists on Spotify. And I did it. I did it. I mean, and I was like, I make 11 songs, ran my errands all around the neighborhood before they burned out. Mm-hmm. Say Magnifique. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: what I want to know is your music ritual, mm-hmm. if you have one. And then the follow up question is you know and we can go around at, and after the ritual I want to know how you discover music hmm. cuz these these stations I, I what was I listening to today? This I guess I was listening to my iPhone so it's not sunk up here. But I was on one of the new one of these stations I had not listened to today, right? And I noticed all, oh is acoustic uh not more oh acoustic pop. Acoustic hmm. pop. And I I just was adding songs left and right. I'm like all these are good. I'm like maybe I should hang out on the acoustic pop more. Ah. Maybe I'll
1: shower by acoustic pop tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Living it up, Jerry Petty. How do you discover music? Okay, I discover music. I think three different ways. Uh, the first way I discover music is I'm a internet radio type service listener. I, I I'll give I'll I, I have a finely tuned in this case Pandora, which is a lot. Ah, yes, I use so. a lot of time, and I have my Pandora channels, which are only a few, but they are they are lovingly crafted into into preferential just, just these beautiful heaven dreams of exactly the music I want to hear at any moment. And and this is key for me the occasional song that I don't like. And I think it's very important that, that something pop in that jars me out and makes me go, wait a minute, I need to make a value assessment of that. And mm. I love that. So one of my one of my discoveries comes through new songs coming in through you might like. So some of it's algorithmic and just being fed music that I I create channels that are tailor-made, but not too tailor-made. I try to keep the parameters a little bit open. So I keep getting new kinds of things. And when I realize I'm hearing the same songs over and over and over, That's when I switch and create a new channel, and I start the crafting process over again, usually with my mood, and I'll just listen to that channel, and then I'll switch back around and rotate through. That's one way of discovering. Uh, The second way I like to discover music is through this, what you and Tim just did, social Mm. interaction with people, talking with people about the music you love. It's such a great way because music is something that it, it's just, if there's real magic in the universe, it's music. It does things to us that it, it emotionally transforms us in ways that no other force outside of narcotics I, I, I can, can do. I mean, music can make you break down and weep. Music can make you furious and angry i have been at concerts where i've watched acts of gratuitous violence played out i think largely because of hours and hours of screaming music and the mood that built Mm -hmm, in the people around and i have seen people transformed literally their lives changed in moments that were largely influenced by the music going on around them in that case i'm thinking in terms of a spiritual setting things that have happened in churches where music is a very important part of what happens even though frankly a lot of christian music sucks um so I think that engagement, that testimony people telling you about or playing things for you. Oh, my gosh, that's talking about music is at least as fun as music. That's why Rolling Stone existed, you know, that or it exists. That's 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 why you have this whole culture built around it. That's why MTV at one point was around. <laughs> uh, and to this day, that that's why you you have social structures built on the Internet around sharing music and the channels where people listen to it. So I love that. That's the second way of discovery through human interaction. And the third way, because I am an old, old man, is album covers. I still buy albums. I really do. I actually buy CDs on occasion. I am not cool. I do not have a record player that plays the vinyl. Um, I don't have anything that plays vinyl. Uh, I, I, uh, I grew up around vinyl. My parents had a huge record collection. My love for the fidelity of vinyl extends not to the sound and the ritual of playing the whole album, but to the I adore album art. I just love it. And records have that huge, beautiful album art. And it oh, is always so great. So CDs have these miniaturized versions of it. And just because I still enjoy the art that goes into an album, even though I realize albums are, are, are almost an antiquated form of expression at this point, they, they are a boutique item. Um, you know, it, it's all about singles and selling concert tickets. Now that's how you do it, but I still love them. And so I will occasionally buy an album just because i see a picture on the internet that i think is really cool of an album i'll go i'll go album hunting i'll go searching through various websites and find, and then i'll read and be like oh this sounds like the kind of thing i might be interested mm-hmm. in and i will just just grab music off that sometimes i'll buy a sample track maybe one sure and i do purchase music i, I i'm not a uh, not not so into the uh, just grabbing music from everywhere i like to buy music when the opportunity arises and, and so I'll go out and buy that new music, uh, and buy that new track. And if I like it, I'll try to buy the album. See, and that's what
0: I've been doing for a while. Where, if, when on the occasional, I'd be in, you know in a car or something, or somebody else would play a song, or I'd hear a song and be like, well, "That's really good." And then I'd go on, uh, you know, iTunes and buy the
1: album or whatever. yeah. Because I was yeah.
0: trying to, I was trying to for a while figure out how to in, get new music into my library because it was one of those things where I noticed I was just listening to the same stuff over and over and over yeah. and over again.
1: Yeah, it's a fun way to do it. I, and then this, what's great when they meet up, I, I, I have to give a shout out for a second to, to Shooter Jennings, uh, one of my absolute favorite contemporary musicians. I discovered him, of all places, through satellite radio. I used to work on the road before mm-hmm. this job. I, I drove sometimes 13, 14 hours a day for work. Uh, yeah, I was I repaired uh, IT equipment at 911 centers, and I would listen to a lot of satellite radio, which introduced me to new things constantly. I discovered Shooter through that. Man, the album cover on his most recent album is a luck dragon, like from the never Ending story, holding an M 16 and wearing sunglasses. Yeah.
0: It's and a it's, gum.
1: it's, I want that. I want a mural of that in my living <laughs> room, but also shooter makes good, good music. You should all check out. Shooter Jennings.
0: Do you have a ritual for music when I say that? Yeah, so when you, do. What do you think when you listen to music? When I say, "How do you listen to music?" Do how do I? Of-
1: I um, so, I, music is an integral. Without music, I don't want to live. Um, I listen to music for hours sometimes at work. When I'm writing, in particular, I listen to music constantly. I often to listen to music in transit. I have long commutes to and from on the bus. I like to listen to music when I'm in the shower, but even more, I like to listen to music when I'm in the bath. I don't mm. do. And I'm doing the bath thing all that often. But you get the tub all nice and clean, lay in there and soak and listen to great music. And I absolutely have a house cleaning music ritual. Mm. That's a very important one. But all of those pale in comparison to the most important one, which is the road trip music, which involves days of preparation beforehand. As you prepare the perfect conglomeration of playlists for every situation and have them right there. The playlist is king. I used to love to make mixtapes, mix CDs, back when that was a thing. I love crafting a, and forget this random stuff. I want them to come in just the right order so that you can have everything flow and jar and switch at just the right moment. You want to take that kind of slow, sad song and immediately follow up with something peppy or quirky or happy and then follow that up with a little off the wall, then maybe a pop ballad, then maybe something a little more twangy and obscure. I love that. So that's the biggest ritual, preparing and listening to the playlist before the road trip. Okay. Yep. Going on a uh, road trip tomorrow. Playlist. Is <laughs> Where are you ready. going? I'm going down to LA. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm going to Anaheim. Um, my wife and I have never been to Disneyland. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So... Yep. You just you just made Tim's day. Yes. Well, we I, I lived in Orlando for years, mm. and so I've done Walt Disney World time after time after time after time. After time but it's our fifteenth anniversary, so we're going to World. doing it big. Yeah. I'm excited about that. So I'm excited.
0: Colin, yeah. how you discover new
3: music? Um, I mean, a lot of different ways. I I, I always found it. I don't want to say strange, although it is. I want to say it's more alien to me when someone's like, I don't listen to music. Or I don't care about music. I'm like, are you kidding me? How like, many like, people have you guys met? a lot like really? over over the years like a lot of people are like i don't listen to music i don't care i just listen to the radio or i don't i'm like are you, are you kidding me like, i've uh, only got one person uh, in my entire
2: life oh my that doesn't like music and that's kevin Coelho. blows my mind kevin you don't like music he does not like me unless it's queen he does not like music fucking love queen
3: so, i mean it's a good it's a good choice but uh so like i was really um i was blessed as a kid to be just be grown up in a very musical household and i was surrounded by music um my parents love, 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 love music, and my siblings love music and play music, and and uh, to a degree, and everyone played an instrument at some point, and and that was instilled in me when I started playing drums. Um, so it's always been a really important part of my life, and I always discovered music in in various ways. I think that's why I have an eclectic. I I think I have a, like a profoundly eclectic taste in music, but I couldn't imagine it being any other way. I remember actually yesterday the Uber driver was like, um, you know, do you want something? Like, is this music okay?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I kind of like." want to listen to anything to be honest it's totally cool with me um so i i feel like i discover music these days um through uh spotify um they have a lot of good discovery tools i used to use pandora back in the day mm-hmm. to do the same thing i'm also just lucky enough to have a lot of musician friends and a lot of friends that remote <laughs> a, a lot of friends that play music or are in music scenes or work at music companies or whatever and 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 often expose me to that as well. And since I'm pretty well known with our audience of being a huge music fan, a lot of people supply me with a lot of bands that I would have never discovered without them that I listen to now, like uh, Hacktivist or um, Fair to Midland and a few of these bands where I'm like, these are fucking really great bands that I would have never even known about um, because there's there's such a wealth of music out there. But to me, it goes beyond that because, um, you know, music is a fundamental part of my life. I listen to music every day and it's not something that I do passively. Like I have to sit down and listen to it. Um, and like really like listen to the music. I get distracted by it all the time when I'm doing supposed to be doing other things because I, I love it so much. And, um, you know, if, if it was up to me, like if someone was like, you can only play video games or listen to music, I'd be like, I'd listen, I'd, I'd choose music 100 out of 100 times. So like it would, wow. it would be no true. It would be not even a like, um, a,
0: a, I wouldn't even think about it. So what's your ritual then? You listen to it every day and you, you have to focus on it.
3: Yeah. I, I, sometimes when I'm in bed, I, I just take my headphones and I listen to music for like an hour before I even get out. Um, or I'll get up and pee as I often do. And then. Um, I'll lay down and, and listen to music or when I, w- I don't really work out too much, but I'd always work out and listen to music and uh, Clean and listen to music or do work and listen to music or just like Chill and listen to music. Sometimes i'm just like I really just want to listen to that record or I really just want to listen to This song And what I find myself especially with albums and bands that i'm really familiar with For many years sometimes is that I just i'm like i'm really in the mood For this record and i'll listen to that record for a week like over hmm. and over and over again um, because it's so good and i'll find new layers in it and new new uh, quirks and i'll realize that the song that i kind of always used to think was bad or, or like that was okay or was kind of filler track is actually one of the great tracks in the album and hmm. the next year i'll listen to that album really closely again and realize oh no, i was right the first time <laughs> um music's like a dynamic and important thing it's so fucking important and music is primal as hell too it's it's it's, it's in us mm-hmm. um our want for rhythm and organization and all that kind of stuff I think happens uh, is largely played out through music. So um, which is why things that are off, you know, four, four measure or whatever is, is often jarring for people. Um, but I, so, so I discovered a lot of different ways. My rituals are, I'm so happy to hear that you are listening to more music. I think Spotify is a fantastic service. Um, shockingly good service. I would pay $50 a month for Spotify. Yeah, you always say that. Um, it's incredible. The quality is great. Mm-hmm. And the, and you can make the quality like really what you want it to be. And the um the selection is fantastic. Like, there's only a few things that I really want that are missing, and they're and they're slowly whittling it down. Like when they got Pink Floyd and the Beatles, I was like, yes, <laughs> this was this was like half of the fucking equation for me. The only thing they're missing now is like Taylor Swift. I'd like to listen to Tool and I'd like to listen to De La Soul, and they're not there. And that's basically the only bands I can think of that I really give a fuck about. This that. is the
1: first moment I've thought of Tool in 20 years is when you said that. Yeah, Tool has. I mean, I'm not a huge I, Tool
3: fan. I'm a Danny Carey fan. I love yeah. I love Danny Carey, but. Uh, was a fantastic drummer but um you know so so and, and what i like about spotify too so the police are one of my favorite bands right i love the police and and um sometimes i'm in the mood for a record so i'll put on zinniata mandata or synchronicity or something but then sometimes i just want to listen to like you know my own playlist of the police which is an option and sometimes i just want to go to like the best of the police and listen to the singles um and so like there's all those options there as well there's just it's such a far cry from the gen- from where how we grew up. I used to buy tapes. The first tape I ever bought was MC Hammer. Nice. Whoa. And uh, the first you know the first song I ever I ever remember hearing um, uh, was uh, "Wildest Dreams" by Moody Blues, which is uh, not a very it's a well known Moody Blues song, but well after they were popular. Yeah. I remember sitting in the back of my mom's Crown Victoria when they had just bought it. I was like two or three years old. I remember like this song is awesome. Um and ever since then it's just been I've just been infected with it. I used to buy so much music, dude, like a lot of tapes and then a lot of ton of CDs. And I'm so glad we don't live in that world anymore. But I still want musicians to like get their money, which is why I'm like Spotify should be should be and will be I think
0: way more expensive than it should be. Hopefully, there'll be tears right to kick it back to other people. Tim, Mm -hmm. what's your music ritual?
2: My ritual uh, it's kind of similar to Colin's uh, to an extent in that it it's a very active experience. When I listen to music, I'm listening to music. That's it. Um, I can't work while listening to music. That's mm, mm. so foreign to me. And I, it's its not even to say that it's distracting. It's like, that's kind of the, that's not even right. Like music to me is the, it's the focus. Yeah. Um, the idea of multitasking, doing something while music is playing is just beyond me. I, I, I'm not even capable of it. Like I, I really like to just lay on my bed, put some headphones on and listen to an album front to back. And that. I I, it's more than just listening to it. It's listening to it and then thinking about it after and then listening to it again based on the thoughts that I had the first time and like kind of like growing and experiencing it. And like I'm going to I'm really weird when it comes to to music and the way I do. I think ritual is actually a very apt um, thing to discuss for me because my ritual with music is um, discovering an artist. And that usually comes from the Internet. Somehow or from, it usually comes from another one of my loves the internet being one of them video games being another Things like that right where sure. I, to this day I still go on message boards to find music like I read what people are talking about what people like what people don't like and go from there and Find people that have similar tastes to me that leads to an artist I like when I find the artists I like then I'm like alright if I like them people that like them, who do they like? And I kind of go from there. Once I find that artist, I will just go down the rabbit hole of if there's a song I like, find the album I like, go from there. But I like to buy it, The actually ripping the CD, the, the whole process to me. So that's part of the ritual, is actually physically ripping the CD. Mm. And I feel like I just, there's something about getting intimately familiar with, the, with how many tracks are on this album. You know naming it like renaming all the files to make sure it's they're They're all named correctly like there's something about that learning process of understanding why Tracks are ordered the way that they are and like thinking of the music as really an art form and as something that has a lot of Thought put into it instead of just on a song by song basis Um, You brought up the album art earlier and being attracted to album art and being like oh, I'm sold I think that's such a simple and brilliant thing because if you're attracted to it chances are somebody put a lot of thought into that Mm -hmm. and Um, More often than not, I appreciate albums as opposed to singles and I think that people that have um, Artwork that is thought out is a sign of a good album or is at least a sign of an album that was thought of and conceived as an album Sure And if they put that much time into it and I enjoy them enough I want to give them the time and respect to understand what they're trying to do with that piece of art Mm -hmm. you know and sometimes you don't get it. Sometimes you do. And I feel like that is the thing that I'm, that's my ritual with, with the music. Um, I feel like I would rather be intimately familiar with a few artists than just kind of familiar with a whole bunch of them. interesting. Others.
0: Interesting. Um,
2: and that's, it's funny for me cause I'm Mr. Millennial and I'm Mr. You He's know, Mr. downloading <laughs> shit and whatever. And that's not to say I don't have thousands of songs on my computer, you know, Yeah. yeah. but, um, I am a big fan of, Not using playlists. I like Um, having all of my music on my phone and I like curating it as I'm going, what I'm feeling like looking mm. through my, like uh, when I look at my, my iPhone, I go to my music tab or whatever. And I scroll the way that I go from song to song is sort by album. So that I think says a lot about me is I'm I'm always looking for the album and bouncing back and forth that way. It's not by artist. It's not by song. And um, sometimes when I'm not feeling anything specific, I'll do shuffle but then inevitably within five songs I'll find something that leads me back to album hmm. and go from there. So it's really cool Tim yeah it's it's really weird but I I definitely music's very special to me and I, it's something that I I make time for in my life more so than anything else really besides what I do in work and all that stuff that I love like um, I make time for specific video games you know I make time for movies, but when albums are coming out, I make time for that. Yeah. I really am like, I'm thinking about that stuff and thinking about the experience I'm going to have with certain albums in a way that
0: is kind of creepy. Sure. Yeah. Do, do you hear that? Sounds like big dog Kevin's about to bark. What you got from me?
1: You have me laughing.
0: Uh, being in the car with him while he listens to music
2: fucking yeah. sucks. Yeah. He changes the song every 15 seconds. Yeah. He like wants so he to find the right one. No, no, no. He wants to hear specific parts of the song, and then he's out. I mean, so to be fair, that is a very different random situation. The car, specifically with Kevin, is just like it's a whole whole disaster. But that's because car rides and the road trips. That's where the playlist comes into into play. Where I I'm totally down with that. Yeah. But music, I the album experience with other people is way too hard for me to even try to comprehend no. because you can't share that experience with somebody else. Like they, every the car ride is a single, a single song world. And it is totally, the, the, you need to respect the other people in the car. I don't respect Kevin. Oh. So we I've known him too long. I know it's, there's no, too much going yeah. on there, but usually, usually with Kevin, I am showing him something in a song. Which is why I'm trying to find specific parts. Sure. But if you ever notice, like, and I, I might, this is, might be that FedEx moment where I, like break your, the glass shattering oh, with no. you. Um, the most annoying thing for me on the plane is I'll be sitting there and I'm just like, if I am on shuffle, I'm just bam, 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 no, next I, song.
0: I see you all over the place. Yeah. yeah.
2: And it's just like, I can imagine to the people next to me, it's infuriating to see all that shit
0: going on. They but should probably shouldn't be looking at your phone. They shouldn't be. Bunch of dicks. Yeah. Bunch phone dicks. <laughs> <laughs> so like broccoli music, this shit's good. This shit's good. Brought this topic to was brought to you by Squarespace. Whether you need a landing page, a beautiful gallery, a professional blog, or an online store, it's all in- included with your Squarespace website. Jared, would you like to bust out a phone? Uh, did, you,
1: did you get a phone yet? Uh, I I do have my I phone have, is busted. I have a busted phone. Do you want to use mine? To so the, the, the internet? phone I have, I, I have an old beat up. Sorry, I'm doing. I'm dealing with, I'm dealing with a, an, an event here. That's why yeah. I was on. My... Things happen. That's all right. That's all right. But no, I, I I do, in fact, carry a phone now, but it's 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 ancient and old and grungy. Well, let me tell you a little bit about Squarespace. All right, saying, I'd like right? to hear about Would it.
0: Would you like to know why you should use it? I'd love to know. Number one, it's easy. Creating your website with Squarespace is a simple, intuitive process. You can add and arrange your content and features with the click of a mouse. It's also free for a custom domain. Squarespace makes adding a domain to your site simple. If you sign up for a year, you'll receive a custom domain for free for a year. Beautiful templates. Design. A best in class online store with Squarespace award winning templates, customizable settings, and more, all without a single plugin. They have seamless commerce tools, customer support all the time. I mean, it's 24 7, Jared. You can get somebody any time of the day if you need help. So that's pretty groovy. It's pretty good. Yeah. for your website. Not because it's so easy to use, though, you would never need help from anybody. Don't worry about it. Okay.
1: But it's, again, there, but it's uh, there if you, if you want
0: it. But if you needed it, it would be there, but you're not going to because it's so easy and intuitive mm-hmm, to use. Mm-hmm. And wow. they got the seamless commerce tools we've been wondering about yeah. a lot. Anyways, start your free trial today at squarespace.com and enter the offer code kinda of funny to save ten percent off your first purchase. That's squarespace.com. Kinda of funny, all one word for ten percent off your first purchase. Bam. Tim Tame.
2: Yes. What's the topic? Bringing it home today. So a couple weeks ago, my topic was proposals and how happy proposals make me.
0: You proposed to Gia, you salty do dog. I didn't, didn't even hear. No. All right. Um So
2: my friends proposed, and that was the the you know, the the spawning of all that, that topic and stuff. But that led me to being really excited about proposals in a way that I had been in a long time. Sure. Went down a rabbit hole of watching a whole bunch of proposal videos, which are one of my favorite things. Because, again, like I said in that topic, it just makes me happy. Of course. Um, last night, I ended up doing even more of that. And that led to finding videos of um, like army people coming back. Oh, sure. And uh, yeah. to their families, yeah. or, which then led to f- videos of deaf people. Hearing, hearing for, for the, the first time, time. Yeah, yeah. and just things like that. And now I'm not really sure what this topic is, sure. but those videos make me feel a certain way that is so unique, you know, and it, but I love that it, it's the same feeling, you know, sure. it's this feeling of, of just happiness and joy for other people. Like it's just raw being happy for someone else, you know, yeah. and like you kind of feel that emotion through them. And I want to know, like, is there other situations that you guys can, can think Ooh, wow. of that are in that in that vein or whatever. Yeah, I
0: mean you bring I mean you kind of bring it up I guess. To to, to your topic before we jump off I guess into that direction because I thought we were going a different way with it when we were, when we were you were just talking. Mm-hmm. Is it reminds me of how spoiled we are now compared to and stick with me the movie dogma. Cuz you remember in mm. dogma the whole thing is that Ben and uh Matt Damon are Angels gar- grounded on earth right and Ben's whole thing was that he was a watcher and so he goes to the airport all the time to watch people get reunited and like mm-hmm. see each other when they come off the plane and be like have that moment of pure joy and happiness to see each other again and how that obviously there was no nine eleven had happened so you could walk up to the gates and just sit there and watch people get reunited that way but also the fact of like the internet wasn't in a place where, yeah, these moments we were sharing so much with everybody all the time that you'd be able to just go and for hours, watch these kind of things and then be like, well, what about this? Or what about a deaf person? Or, what about that? Like, it's such a weird thing of that used to be rare. You'd have to be at the airport for something else. And then you'd see a couple reunited or whatever, a mom and son reunited. And you'd be like, uh, what a sweet moment. And now you just sit there and eat popcorn at your laptop and watch it.
2: Yeah. It, well, another one uh, that I was thinking about you saying that reminded me of Reddit um somewhere it was on the front page a couple of weeks ago of it was a gif of some guy at a soccer game and like some little kid at a soccer game and one of the players came by and like was walking stopped looked over the kid yeah. went up to him gave him like a, a slap and then walked off and that kid like sure. just blew up and then that led to someone responding uh to some hockey player doing something similar like walking over and giving him yeah. a stick and then a bunch of basketball players and a bunch of uh hockey stick I know Uh and uh it, it was just, like, it's so crazy that, like, I just felt so good for those kids. Yeah, yeah. you
0: get it because, I mean, I think we all have those moments in our lives that you remember, right? The one that got me choked up uh, last night, two nights ago, was, uh, it was on Reddit as well. And it was a, uh, a, a little boy had just finished his baseball game or whatever and then went to the car. And I guess the dad had been pretending he forgot about his birthday or whatever or couldn't afford the gift or whatever. And then, like, and they I think he was pretending that he forgot it forgot about the birthday and the kid was getting all sad about it or whatever and like being all cold shoulder about it or whatever. And then he made him go to get his ba- bag from the back of the car and open it up. And of course the bat was there and the kid broke down and then the dad broke down. And it's like one of those moments of like, uh, uh, you know, this is such a personal moment that clearly is going to leave such an impact on the child, let alone the dad. You know what I mean? And like you share it. There it is. You find it in two seconds. Good job, Kev. You want to put that I'm in there? Even looking for it. Uh, I'm not Well, up? I'm, you know, I'm now a big time Redditor. I see everything ahead of time. <laughs> I don't really see everything it, yeah. but you know, I mean I see a lot of stuff early but I mean like you know th- there's a moment you share of like I remember you know when my parents hid my Christmas gifts or whatever and like the one thing I really wanted I didn't get and then coming back up the stairs when they sent me downstairs to get something stupid you run into that gift you're like oh my god yeah and now you get to be a part of it and find it and see all that stuff
2: yeah and I mean you know YouTube and all that stuff I think kind of uh, in a much bigger way incentivizes people to, sure. to think in that way. Yeah. Uh, for example, there was that, the Disneyland video of the girl that the, there was a little girl. She was like probably five oh. uh, with a little sister. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah, the yeah. parents are like, um, told her that, Oh, we're not going to school today. And she's like, Oh, like they're driving to school. Have you seen this? Do You know what I'm talking about? Colin? It's-
3: I I think so. I mean, I've seen videos like this. But. So
2: it's a, it's a it's a family driving this this girl, and they're like, "Oh, we're going to school." And then they're like, "Oh, we're not really going to school." She's like, "What? Really? We're not going to school?" It's like, "No." Guess where we're going? They're like, "Oh, we're going to Disneyland." Yeah. And she just like bursts into tears. And the little mm-hmm. sister's just like, "The fuck's going on?" Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. But I, I I just love that. I just love the just the pure. It's just to make her happy. Yeah, you know, yeah. like yeah, yeah. it's just so awesome that they capture that moment. And then they made a sequel video a couple of years later. And the girl's like, "It's
1: happy." It's, just, it's so
2: funny. Like, I just love that there's, you know, a, there's things that can make people that happy, and that those moments of happiness make other people happy. It's yeah, so cool.
1: It, it, it's infectious almost. I agree. Now, I, for me, I don't, I do not prowl the internet looking for these kinds of videos very often. So, almost all of mine are, are, things I've observed through a light real life is this is this contextually relevant or not I want to make sure oh yeah this is relevant okay good I I, so the motion carries yeah I used to um when I was in Japan I I taught and uh, a lot of I did was work as a kindergarten teacher so a lot of tiny Japanese children used me as a jungle gym for like three years so it was pretty wonderful I I mean (laughs) to a lot of them in Japan there are not very many people of my height there are very few bald men there are very few people with beards and there are very few fat people So to a group of Japanese four year olds, I was the tallest, fattest, baldest, hairiest thing they had ever seen. I barely looked. yeah, exactly. That was the response. I barely looked human. And they would take you down. I mean, you thirty Japanese kindergartners can take you down. <laughs> How many did it take to take you down? It did not a yeah, colossus. It's, it's they it is. It's exactly <laughs> like that. They would literally they'd wrap around your legs and then they they'd get and they just keep holding on and then they'd grab your arms so you'd lose your balance. And then a couple of them inevitably would try to stick their fingers up your butt, which mm-hmm. is a Japanese thing called concho, where they they try to stick your fingers in your butthole, which is, is oh, kind Japanese. Of fun of it. it's a very interesting cultural phenomenon. But yeah, they take you down and then jump on top of you. Anyway, kids having impromptu joy at a moment, particularly at, at a kid like, like like Cookie Monster moment. Mm-hmm. You know, whenever Cookie Monster sees a cookie, it's like the first time he ever saw a cookie. And he's just like, Cookie! I'm nom nom nom. And he's just so happy. That's what those moments are like for kids. And being near that, is infectious. If you come to mind for me immediately, anytime a kid goes off a diving board at a pool and screams <laughs> like cannonball, you know, there's just that look when they, you they freeze in midair and there's that grin from ear to ear and they're about to land right next to their sister and just, you know, and probably give her a concussion. But it's beautiful <laughs> that, that moment that it's happening. This is a wonderful moment. um Again, in Japan, I remember I was standing on an ice cream counter like a restaurant. And I heard this little singing next to me. Uh, matcha is Japanese green tea. And they have green tea ice cream there. I'm standing there and I hear this little song. And I look down and there's a tiny, probably three-year-old girl just peeking over the ice cream counter, just getting barely. She's just going, he's got this green tea going, matcha, matcha. Matcha, matcha cream, matcha, matcha, matcha cream. They're just singing it because oh, she's about to get ice cream and she is singing uh, the joy of the ice cream. And that, that, those kind of moments. Um, I was in a waiting room at a, at a courthouse of all things uh, a few weeks ago and I was playing uh, Mega Man Legacy Collection where you can play Colin Moriarty's level on my 3DS. Um, This kid sitting next to me uh, was kind of looking over and watching me play. And his mom was there, and so he kept looking over, and I was looking at her, and I was like, is this okay? And she's like, yeah. So I handed it over. He had never played Mega Man. He's sitting there playing Mega Man 2. And at first, he's trying to touch the touchscreen. Then he figures the controls out. Really little kid. But I watched him, and he ran forward and fell in a hole. And he ran forward and fell in a hole. And then I showed him how to jump, and he ran forward and jumped at the hole. But they did ran over and jumped over the hole. And then he jumped over the hole and ran into an enemy and died. And he kept restarting. I showed him how to and they jumped over and shot the enemy. And then he moved forward and jumped over. And you watched him learning and getting far. And he just, that compulsive, bam, restart, 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 restart. And it was like looking through some kind of tachyon camera into my past and seeing that unabashed joy of discovery. This kid was discovering 2D platforming for the first time in his life, and he couldn't get enough. And we were in that room for. I hear you, kid. Yeah. it was great. <laughs> and the, he handed the 3ds and, back and said, "It's no Sonic." No, no. he his, just his, 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 his just this joy came over his face for like two hours. He was in there until it was time for he and his mom to leave, and it was it was wonderful to watch. Uh, just just those kinds of moments, and I, I also really like anywhere I am. Something that, that just if I see someone reading anywhere of any age in any context, I get happy watching people read just I'm just like you whatever you're doing right now is making you better. Um it, it's 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 just inspiring. So those are the ones that come to mind for me. Dan.
2: There's an Instagram called Hot Dudes Reading. Highly recommend.
1: I have seen Hot Dudes it's Reading. That's good. It's good. Yeah. Actually I, I might be on. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's right. Team Fat. Patent pending. Well what comes to mind
3: for me for some reason is is sporting events. Um Man. especially going to sporting events live so um, hockey games and, and and football games specifically are um amazing events to go to live, especially with the ups and downs of the team and depending on the stakes of the game. Um, that's what's so fascinating. I love sports, and that that's what's so fascinating about it is that um, in week one in the NFL, everyone is oh and oh right zero and zero right yeah. no, no one like everyone can win. You're not going to, but everyone everyone can win, and then by the end of the season. The stakes are so high because people are trying to get into the playoffs and, and then the playoff games are like fucking zany, man. I'll never, ever, ever, ever forget going to the Islanders Maple Leafs game in 2002 and the playoffs, the Sean Bates penalty shot game, which is a fucking famous hockey game that I just had like famous, not only in Islanders war, but in hockey war that I happen to be at. And that place went off. I have never, ever, ever been in a scene like that in my life. I was like, this is, I'll never forget it. It was awesome. Um, it was a penalty. Sh- there was a penalty shot and like, and we won the game and it was like fucking bedlam, dude. It was so awesome. I remember leaving the, the Nassau Coliseum on Long Island and people were fucking going crazy in the parking lot and beeping their horns and just laying on their horns all the way down the Long Island expressway. People were like going insane. And I was like, this is so cool, but I've also been in that arena where it's half full, you know, and they're losing six to nothing in the second period and people are just leaving, you know? And, uh, I still say like uh, like my, my the mo- the most joy I get out of going to an NFL game or going to a Jets game is um when we're winning and the games are going really great and we score a touchdown and uh this place the best the fucking best but when the Jets lose, or they're playing terribly. That only happens once in the game, in the very beginning, <laughs> right? But when you're
0: winning, there has been and a you- lot of those Sundays, <laughs> and I've been to those
3: kinds of games. Yeah. But when everyone's doing the Jet the Jets chant, and everyone's like smiling in elation, and then there's like eighty thousand people doing that in unison, and the team's playing great, and they're winning, and everyone's in a great mood, it's like it's joyous. It's fucking awesome. The yeah. ups and downs of yeah. of sports, especially when you are a fan of notoriously bad or it's typically bad teams, like I am, with football and hockey. Um, you really like remember those moments. Like I remember for some strange reason was their game. You couldn't go to because you got sick or whatever. But out of all the football games i have been to, the Jets games. I've been to, I remember that game really well. It was, it was a, but it was a meaningless game. It was a Jets Colts game. It was one of Andrew Luck's first games and (laughs) the Jets fucking destroyed them. And I, and I, and I was, and I remember, I remember specifically Tim Tebow fake punt run for like 25 yards. I'm like, what the fuck? And the place was just going nuts. The game was, like, totally meaningless yeah. in the grand scheme of things. We were, like, 6-10 and 10 that year or something like that. But I was like, that was so fun. And I remember that moment. I'll always remember that moment. And I remember those moments going to Yankee games, specifically with my dad, when the Yankees were bad. And then when the Yankee... Because the Yankees were bad when I was, a, like, a young kid. And then when they were good and how different that was. I, I And I also remember being on enemy territory. I remember... Um, Watching the way other fan bases celebrate and the way other fan bases get in the games or the way they lose. I've been to Yankee Red Sox games at Fenway Park. It's a very hostile place for Yankee fan, (laughs) you know, and a very, very hostile place for Yankee fan. And uh, I've seen the Yankees destroy the Red Sox there and I've seen the Yankees get killed there and the elation and the bedlam that happens there. And I've been the Patriots Jets games in New England. Um, Much nicer fan base than the Red Sox fan base, but a lot of crossover, obviously. Um, and the way they celebrate, I like going to those different, but I like everyone's different traditions. I like the 12th man in the Seattle. I like, I like, um, our jets chant. I like the Eagles song. I like the bears like song, like all these different things that everyone has and how it brings them joy. And it's a tradition and it's a ritual and it's been going on for some of these teams for 60 or 80 years. It's pretty cool. You know, I mean,
0: what you're talking about is like the grand scale thing of the reunion of people, right? It's a shared experience between human beings. And that is something special to be in those arenas and have, everyone on the same page as far as what's happening. And those are some of the most over... Not even necessarily in the arena, because I, I, the two that jumped to my mind right are at Mizzou. you know, every oh. time kansas came through for basketball they beat the shit out of us or beat us usually on some heartbreaking three-pointer thing at the end or whatever in my senior year my final game as an antler we're all there in the dresses with our hair and mohawks like because that was the, that's what you do when kansas comes to town uh and i'll remember i remember two minutes in when it looked like we were gonna win and i it started to set in this my final time being an antler and i started tearing up and i was like oh no and then, when we finally won, the first time in four years I ever saw Mizzou beat Kansas in person, and everyone rushed to the floor and not the antlers, because we're trying to make a point that we're not that bad. And like, I, I just burst into tears and turned around and hugged my other graduating senior, Jason. And he just held me while I like weeped. Like, I weeped. And then the other one being when in Missouri as well, but after college watching the Bears advance to the, to the Super Bowl and, like, <laughs> popping champagne and crying then and calling all my friends in Chicago to talk about it. Like, can you fucking believe this is happening finally? Because it's been forever. Our entire lives, they have been terrible. Our entire cognizant lives. Yeah,
3: it's, it's funny with, like, sports, whether collegiate or professional, even the sports we played as a kid. Like, I have a lot of memories of playing hockey, like, mm. ups and downs, really bad moments and really good moments. um It's funny, like... Tim actually bore witness to one of the strange sporting yeah. moments of my life. And he's the only person that saw it, which was when the Islanders made the advanced in the playoffs for the first time since I was uh, eight. Um, it, so they got to the second round of the playoffs. I actually started hysterically crying. Oh, wow. I, I, like, I couldn't help it. I was like overcome, like with emotion, with joy and like, couldn't believe it. Like, that, I couldn't see,
2: believe it. That's you kind know? of the, that's kind of the topic that, that, that I was really trying to get at is the fact that so was I. You know, just having you next to me like yeah. I don't care about hockey at all, but I cared that you were so happy about this thing. And like that's that's so crazy. And it's infectious, you know, yeah. like uh, I, I understand because so many of my friends like my friend James is the like biggest giant SF Giants fan in the fucking world. And knowing him, seeing him be a fan for so long and then for them to win, like it, it was just crazy. It's like I felt this like celebration within myself for him you know just seeing him that happy was so crazy and like it for like going back to it um like video games do that to me Mm. so much like thinking about the twilight princess reveal like when they first announced it like there's the the video that if you haven't seen this youtube right now twilight princess uh reaction it's every couple months i'll go back and watch that just to like for that feeling of wishing I was in that room, but yet feeling I was in that room anyways, people were so excited that that shit happened. And there's other things like the Street Fighter, um, the Justin Wong versus Daigo match, where mm-hmm. you know the, the the moment happened, and it's just like, man, I don't understand what's happening, but this is it's I'm overcome with emotion from all yeah. of this. And what's really funny to, to get super meta with it, uh, watching my reaction to Crash Bandicoot makes me happy about me being happy <laughs> you
0: know but there's just something about like well, I, it's I know emotion. how I
2: know how pure that was yeah. like I know
0: how you weren't doing it for effect the the the, perform, the the girl crying when she hears for the first time or the child when they put the glasses on and she sees yeah. for the first time Like I mean like it's not there's no bullshitting around about it
2: yeah and yeah. I think that there's there's something really powerful about it and I, I I wonder if there's like a name for that but whatever it is I think powerful it's powerful emotion time it's, it's a beautiful thing You're for you
3: Euphoria, yeah, maybe so it is, I think it's good.
2: you know, um, but it's, it's just, it's so interesting to me that it, it results in tears so often, you know, yeah, it results in just this like, your body needs to react in some way, right? Yeah. Like, uh, you can see if you look in the video, I
1: felt like I was about to cry during the crash bandicoot thing. Well, I mean, what's what's the line between laughter and tears? They're both signals from our body that that's they're telling something is wrong, something is different, mm-hmm. something is uncanny in this moment, something exceptional and extraordinary and alarming is happening. Laughter and tears are 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 both the responses we mm-hmm. have to those things it's i think it's utterly appropriate that that, that that we allow ourselves to be overcome by wonder or beauty or euphoria the word used there I, I think it's one of the best things about being human if we didn't have those moments to look forward to why would we bother yeah yeah
0: ladies and gentlemen this has been the game over greggy show each and every week four sometimes five best friends gather on this table. Each bring a random topic of discussion for your amusement. If you like that, head over to patreon.com slash kindoffunny where you get the shows early, get a whole bunch of exclusive perks, and get some goodies. If you have no bucks to toss our way there, head over to youtube.com slash kindoffunny where you get the show topic by topic day by day until we post the entire thing as one big video and MP3 the following Friday. Of course, while you're on that patreon.com site, go over and check out patreon.com slash jaredpetty. Your new
1: your new podcast has started yeah. up now. Thank you so much, Greg. I really appreciate that. Thank you for having me on. No it was problem. an honor to be here. You guys oh, great thank stuff. you so much
0: for coming. Remember, it's pocket pockets full pockets pockets full of soup. Yeah, okay, no, pockets full of
1: soup. soup. That's you the got name got of the it. show. Got yeah. it.
0: And it's it's up now. You can get it for free if you don't want to yeah. give him money. Yeah. You should probably give him money if you can if you got it. Yeah. I'm gonna give him money. Support Aw. this man. Until thank next time. <laughs> it's been our pleasure to serve you.